everybody and their neighbor. Welcome back to another episode of your favorite show, Gear and Gigs. I am back with my cohort in crime, Trey Hawkins. Trey, how you doing? Doing great. Today, we are super, ultra, mega fortunate to have Grammy Award winner, guitar extraordinaire, and all around, like, supremely nice guy, Mark Latier. <laughs> Thanks, guys. So far, we just started. I don't know. It's all downhill from here. For the five minutes we have talked prior to this, he has been nothing but a gentleman. Well, I was only on air for two of those minutes because the other three we were trying to figure out how to get Zoom to work. That's true. Or I was. For those of you that, uh, that aren't watching this and don't know, we are uh, recording this over the auspices of Zoom, so any technical difficulties we face, I'm blaming them. Cool. Right? <laughs> Automatically. Just right. right out of the gate. Totally. Yeah. So get out right of jail on. free right away. Yeah, dude. Well, thanks for having me. This is fun. I appreciate it. Well, we're, we're real excited. We, we had uh, another one of your uh, touring buddies, Travis Larson, on a couple weeks ago. Oh, that, nice, man. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. We spent uh, two and a half hours wringing out his brain about everything. <laughs> wow. And uh, yeah, we'll try not to do that to okay. you. <laughs> yeah, there's not much in here. So yeah, it was completely yeah. unintentional. We all just kind of looked at the, the clock at one point and went, oh my gosh. <laughs> right. You didn't, weren't even drinking. No. no. Yeah. That's no. funny how that works. Yeah. 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 Oh, and uh, we're, we're just feeling really uh, fortunate to have you on because you're one of our favorite artists. And uh, man, I tell you, I was looking over your discography, you know, I don't do a lot of research for these, but I, I just wanted to kind of see some of the projects I wasn't aware of that you played on. And I think it was all the albums that have ever been done. There was like, what, 75, 77 different albums on there that weren't yours that you've played on besides your own. Right. And I'm like, holy cow, this guy has gotten around. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's been a, you know, the, those, uh, it's not everything, but it's, it's a lot of it, you know, it's a lot more, a lot more R and B and rap and that kind of stuff that I was aware of. And mm -hmm. that's yeah. really cool how you've bridged into that whole genre. Yeah. I mean, it kind of came from playing gospel music, uh, in college, contemporary gospel music and, and sort of getting into the gospel church scene here in town and, and, um, there's a big crossover between players who are in that and who also operate in R and B and hip hop. And, huh. um, yeah. It's interesting. So, and, and a lot of it was, you know, like, Hey, we're doing a hip hop tune, but we need a rock guitar sound or something. Oh, so, right. So right. I would do that. So it was, you know, half of that hip hop stuff, it sounds like rock guitar and the other half sounds like R and B hip hop guitar. So I kind of live in both, both worlds. Well, that's actually one of the things I wanted to say about you at, at some point in the show, uh, because it, it struck me as I looked through your career and, uh, you know, obviously seen you play in concerts and listen to your albums. And I've heard you talk about your gear and I've been stalking you and apparently I know everything. No. <laughs> well, this will be a very quick interview. I guess. <laughs> you won't need to ask yeah. me. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you about him, everybody. And he's like, yeah. but the, the thing I've, 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 that struck me is it's actually probably struck me because it's very similar to the way I think is you're kind of a jack of all trades, and I, but not, not the old saw about not being a master of none. You're kind of the master of all trades. I mean, wow. you, you really, you run the gamut. You can do the rock, you can do the jazz, you can do the R&B, you can do the whatever you want to call snarky puppy. You know, it, it varies from all one of those things. jazz world <laughs> yeah. music, all yeah, these right. things. And, and you right. seem equally comfortable in all of them. Well, I mean. That's amazing, amazing to me. Thanks. I'm, I'm glad you, I'm glad you hear that. Cause I, you know, it's, it's different. It's different from the player's perspective because you know, there's things I need to work on in every one of those genres for sure. But um, 
I just got really excited about the sound of the guitar and all the different things you could do with it and express with it and different ways you could groove with it or not groove with it or, or solo or play rhythm or whatever it is um, that I just soaked as much of it up as I could from a artistic perspective, because it was interesting, but then also from a practical professional perspective, because I wanted to get gigs. Right. You know, and, um, Mission accomplished. Yeah, well, I guess so. A lot of my heroes are, are, you know, session players or or people who can kind of be chameleons on the instrument, but um, at the same time still kind of have their own sound. You know, everyone does, no matter how many different kinds of music they play. Mm -hmm. Um, I always kind hopefully sound like myself in each one of those things. And I think that's what drove me to get really kind of more serious about my solo material was, was figuring out a way to take all these influences and not necessarily get rid of them, but just find my voice in, in them and kind of make that the singular focus, you know? Um, so yeah, it, you know, now that, you know, that I've been playing for a while and have been on that solo career path for, for a while, I'm starting to find out what I'm really comfortable with. And, and in a sense, you know, the things that I'm, just kind of don't care about as much anymore <laughs> or don't feel as pressured to uh, focus on as much, you know? Um, well, that's one of the things we were yeah. talking to Travis uh, Larson recently about was how do you listen to somebody and get that desire to, Oh, I want to do something like that. You know, you get inspired yeah. by somebody, but you don't want to emulate it so much as take something from it translated through yourself into this other new thing and he said for him it was a lot of times he would try to to do something like that and it would automatically come out different and become its own thing you know you try to sound like Keneally and and do a lot of angular strange things but it would still sound like him at the end of the day and I that's kind of the the similar thing that I see in you is man you always seem like you bring your own voice to the game I mean, your melodies are, are your own thing. It's, I don't hear stock melodies and stock licks. Everything is like, it tickles me as a new thing in the ear. It's like, oh man, that's, that's a new connection of notes that I've not heard in that order before. And, and I'm always surprised as I listen, you know, it's always constantly keeping my interest going because it's always like, oh, I didn't expect that. Oh, I, that's cool. I didn't think of that. So, you know, it drives me crazy as a musician, like how the hell is he keep thinking of this stuff? But as a listener, I'm like, man, this is great. Well, well, good. Thank you. I, I, that's, that's the point. I, you know, it's, uh, I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I'm pretty particular when it comes to my writing. If there's something I feel like I've done before, or I, you know, I'm relying on or falling back on, you know, I try to avoid that if I can, you know, there are some idiosyncrasies about the way that I write and the way that I play that are just there and they're not going to, I'm not going to get rid of them. I might as well embrace them. But, right. you know, when it comes to composing or writing music or, or even improvising or something, it's like if I can at least try to challenge myself in some way and not settle, um, right. you know, I feel like I'm kind of, that's the only way I can really move forward comfortably. Um, you know, I don't want to have a discography of Mark Letiri records that all sound the same. They <laughs> I don't. hope they all sound like Mark Letiri, but I don't want them to sound the same. Yeah, I, I get that. Go ahead, sorry. And that, that kind of led into one of the questions that I had was, you know, since you are a songwriter and a session player, like you are equal parts guitarist and songwriter, how do you, how do you balance that? Because I know a lot of people that are really good at one or the other, or they really tend to focus on one or the other. 
um, but just kind of your thoughts on on being a guitar player that actually knows how to write songs. Sure. Well, I think it just comes from understanding songs to begin with. And, and I think, I mean, really, I think any session player um, who, you know, who is who's really getting it done probably is also a great songwriter. You know, they might not write songs professionally, mm-hmm. but I bet you they have a, a really good hand at it because they're around it all the time. Right. You know, I mean, part of being a great session musician is understanding how to apply your craft to making the tune better. Sure. You know, or making them not better, but making the most out of the arrangement, making the most out of the production, making the most out of the composition. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the, and it kind of goes the same, you know, for writing a song. Um, you, you know, especially with instrumental guitar music, it's like yeah, I have a ten, you know, you have a tendency to make everything sound like a guitar song. Right. But it should just be a song first delivered right. through the guitar. Mm-hmm. That's um, a good way to put that. You know, and so, and I'm not putting myself in the category with, you know, Luke or any of those guys at all, but, um, you know, I try to be aware, like, when I'm doing a session and I'm just there to play guitar, like, well, let's listen to the song. Like, what's right. this song about? Why do these chords work? What's this melody at? What's going on with the melody? What's going on with the lyrics? Like, the groove, all these parts that make up the song are important and whatever I play has to kind of serve all that. And I put that same sort of thought process into writing songs, you know, um, and it might not, I, 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 I try not to, when I'm writing music, have the guitar save the song. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if, if, if the thing that's going to save this tune is a, great guitar solo well that's dumb because then that just means that the song <laughs> isn't good right right <laughs> you know, i would rather the guitar solo just be like a, a cool thing that happens for 16 bars or something rather than right. like oh i can't wait till it gets to the solo oh the solo's done all right well how much how many more much is left until this is over with <laughs> right <laughs> so um yeah it's i i guess i never really thought about it as two different things because when you're doing sessions you're composing too you're just right. on a micro level you know what i mean like you have to play a good part you have to right. come up with a cool part that's that's composing that's writing you're sure. only writing one thing <laughs> right right and and kind of adopting i mean i'm glad that you said that about like kind of having to listen to it and go you know what's the purpose for this within the song right. as opposed to i am guitar player and now i will guitar in yeah. these in these measures right. um, yeah and that man I, you know and i'm still um that's still that's still a challenge you know i think right. for any for any musician i mean you know or a, you know, guitar players for example it's like do does this does the chorus need a guitar thing here or just does, does it need a musical thing right right you know? so finding that balance right well so when you're when you're writing things for your for your own stuff are you and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to go specifically down the writing mm-hmm. hole. It just kind of hit me. Um, are you like, do things just kind of walk fully formed into your head and you have to re-dissect it? Or are you starting with a particular, like a groove or a melody line and building around that? Like what, what's your kind of sure. it's process? All the above. That you it's all yeah. over the place. Yeah. I mean, I'm, uh, it, it could be like, I'm, you know, in the backyard, digging a hole or something and hearing a groove. It's like, all yeah. right, as soon as this hole is dug, I need to go inside and <laughs> do something into my iPhone memo, voice memo, so I don't forget right. it. Right. 
and then I'll go back and figure out what, what was happening there, you know, or, or it might, I might stumble across a nice melody when I'm practicing or just, or not even really practicing, but just playing guitar, you know, just playing guitar. Sure. Um, so it, it goes all over. I just need to make sure that I, I'm able to kind of document it and compartmentalize the stuff so that if it really means something, I can do something with it. Right. Um, and then, you know, some songs happen really quickly. Other songs take years. Right. So it depends I, on how fired up you get from the, and how much time you have right then. Yeah. Sometimes I, I have a tendency to not finish things when I should finish things. <laughs> <laughs> like I have a, I, I, one of my bad habits is to be like, well, that was good enough for now. <laughs> you know, I'll get yeah. like halfway through something be like, all right, yeah, that feels good. And then, you know, not touch it again for six months or something. Right. Um, Do you think sometimes that's a subconscious way of, of letting it simmer in the back of your mind so that when you revisit it, you're fresh and listening to it with a new perspective, but yet you remember it and have like a fondness for it. So probably, yeah, I think so. I, I you know, because a lot of times I'll go back and listen to it, like, wow, yeah, bad. That wasn't good. What was it? Why did I? Yeah, yeah. What was maybe I there's something in there? Yeah, but maybe there's something in there I could salvage. Right. Uh, so yeah, that is kind of how things will happen. Or, or, um, actually, that is a, a lot of the time how things will happen. You know, I'll, I'll have an idea and I'll get almost done, and I'm just like, I'm just talking about this, and I'll leave it for a long time, come back and take one part out of it and start a new, whole new composition. I don't have a process, really. I, um, I don't, you know, it's interesting because I, I'm not at a point, we can, just, we can get real here. I'm not at a point in, in my career where I just have like a writing period. You know, it's like, I have to work. I have to do sessions, yeah. I have to do gigs, I have to teach, I have to do whatever, you know, to be a sure. working musician. Um, you know, one you know one day <laughs> right it'd be cool to be like okay for the next six months i'm just gonna go into a cabin in the woods and write a record or so you know like that's great if you could do that that's awesome I, I was I, say, that's the that's the, that's the dream that. is the, is well, the isolated yeah, you know, right or like, as know, we all sit in stuff. isolation yeah these, you're right exactly you know you see the documentaries of these famous bands like we rented a house in tahoe and set up a studio and wrote the record <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's wow. Congrats. Like, that's must, really cool. I want to do that. Must be nice. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I got, you know, more power to them. Yeah. Right? Rent two houses. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? This is our living house and this is our creative right. space. Uh, and this is just on, for beer pong. Yeah. Yeah. They're on opposite ends of the cul de sacs. <laughs> we bought the whole block. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we track the kick drum in this house and then the snare in this other house. Well, I just it's felt like the natural record. reverb with the vaulted ceilings really gave me the tone that I've always been looking for. And you're just for this like, one oh, chord in this oh one song. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, I, I, we got garage band. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I remember watching a, a, the documentary that 30 Seconds to Mars did on uh, one of their records that they were recording and they're like, and they did, like they rented a house like that, but they were going out and getting drum samples like from around the country. Wow. It's like, man, that's the coolest thing ever. That's awesome. Um, like, yeah. like recording the drum somewhere and or, or just like, uh, um, the, the drum was um, doing those, um, I don't know if they're Japanese or Chinese, the huge drums where they have the two. Oh, the taiko drums. Yeah, yeah. Like taiko drums. Yeah, those doing Japanese. those like 
on location somewhere. Oh, that's awesome. On like the top of a hill in a cathedral thing. And yeah, like that, that, that level of detail is, you know, just the coolest and most inspiring. I can imagine what the mix sessions are like for that. The singer's like, no, nah, we need more vocal, but then we're not going to be able to hear the taiko drum in the background. <laughs> well, you guys need to work this out because they can't both exist in the same space here. So. Right. We have to punch in that one note, so we have to go to Tibet real quick. <laughs> we back next week. Go climb to the mountain and have this one particular monk has to go hit that thing again. We lost the bass player. How? A mountain climbing accent trying to cut this one note? <laughs> it's very spinal tap. But we got yes. the scream as he fell, so we're going to use that as the Perfect. end. Yeah, right. <laughs> Amazing. Well, the one thing that I can say about your playing, as opposed to a lot of players, is you never seem like you're, A, showing off. You always seem like you are playing for the song, but not in a diminished I'm holding back kind of way as I'm really doing what the song needs, what the listener needs. I love that. I really respect that. And there's a, you seem like a happy guy. And it, it seems like there's joy that's always coming through. And that's, Thanks, that's so cool because you don't see that in everybody's playing, you know, and that's, that's really hip. Well, you know, um, I'm, there to, I'm there to serve the composition. I'm there to serve the other people I'm playing with. I'm there to make sure the people that bought a ticket have a good time. Right. You know what I mean? It's at the end of the day, this is the entertainment business. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's art, of course, but, you know, like you want to have a good time. Like if you didn't have a good time, then I failed at right. my job, you know? So if, if I, and I've always thought that like if, when I'm, you know, if I'm seeing a band and, and they look like they're happy to be there, it makes a world of difference. Right. Even if they're going through terrible things and they're just, you know, whatever it is, if at least there's some kind of, and it doesn't even have to necessarily be like, overwhelmingly positive energy but just something that makes me feel like i'm part of what's happening that's right. one of the things i always liked about van halen versus their contemporaries at the time because you'd see a lot of these guys are acting all tough you know the joe perry's right are out there looking very tough and menacing and mysterious and clearly eddie was just having a great time sure. just smiling well you know i mean it's that's it's it's kind of different for everything i mean like yeah like guys like eddie or 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 like Joe Cetriani or, you know, any of these, any Jeff or any of these guys that are like, you know, or Luke, they're, they're all like looking like they're really having a great time playing guitar. Right. But then you got someone like James Hetfield who looks like he'll punch you in the face, but it's still <laughs> just as awesome. Right. Like, Oh my gosh, this guy's good. He's going to steamroll everybody. Like if that kind of, it's just about energy. Well, I think that's say, really it matches the energy of, of whatever they're putting out. Right. And even, you know, cause and even sometimes like if, if you see a, like I remember seeing Pat Martino when I was a high school kid. And well, I think it was about, yeah, it was, yeah, it was probably 17, 18. And, um, you know, he stands in one place and just kind of closes his eyes and kind of just does this mm -hmm. for the whole gig. But whatever he was playing was unbelievable. Like right. it, the whole package kind of fit. Like his, his aura fit the music. Like you, like you were saying, like, I don't need him jumping off the amplifier. <laughs> Right. <laughs> it's like I think as long as what's on stage is fitting the music that you're watching and creating that kind of symbiotic energy, mm -hmm. it's gonna be entertaining. Mm. You know, it's when there's an obvious disconnect. Mm. Like where the music is super up tempo and awesome and the guys just look like they would rather be somewhere else. 
You know what I'm saying? Like you kind of yeah, get that weird, that. like, do they want to be here? <laughs> right. Or, or conversely, like if it's a jazz gig and the guy's just kind of going through the motions and all right, what's next? You know, thanks for coming. You know, whatever. It, it, I don't, it doesn't have to do with style, but um, yeah, there's that sort of disconnect. It's not going to be fun for the audience. And especially with, with music that tends to be a little more technical, like, like jazz or something like that. Mm-hmm. One of the things I like to see is when they do something really cool and you know it was cool and they kind of know it was cool too and they're happy that right. they made it. Like yeah. that, that's always a cool experience for me when I see somebody play that I'm just like, okay, I know just enough to know that that might've been a little tricky and on an off night, they might've stumbled just a tiny bit. And the mm-hmm. fact that they're happy that they killed that part makes me happy, like as a viewer. Yeah. Like we're all in this together. Kind of yeah. You're like, dude, you did it. I'm so proud. Yeah. <laughs> we did it. Yeah, we did it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That makes, that makes perfect sense. I, yeah. The, the last thing you want is for the ticket buyer to just feel like they weren't included. Right. You know, um, and there's all different kinds of ways of making the audience feel inclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, I guess it's looking like I'm having a good time because I probably am having a good time, even if I'm not having a good time. Right. Well, you draw uh, the audience generally, I'm having a good too. time. <laughs> yeah, you can look at them too. Yeah. Or are you just saying that I have nice eyes? No. That's very kind. Thank well, you, you do. Oh, they're, kind of, they're kind of small and you can't really see them because I'm wearing a hat. <laughs> but I don't want to step on my daughter's crush here, so, you know. Oh, yeah. really. <laughs> dad. That, the dad. But, uh, no, you do. Um, uh, there's a lot of players that will. <laughs> They'll talk and they'll rap to the audience in between and then they start playing and they're in their own world now. And you never sure. seem like you're in your own world. You seem like you're with us in the concert. And that's, that's very cool. Well, you know, I mean, yeah, Neil, Neil I... one of my famous drum, favorite drummers, but he never seemed like he was there with the audience as much. You know, he was always like... Because well, he's behind 400 I was about to say, he's, yeah, literally <laughs> has a wall built around him, okay. away from the audience. Get back there, get back there, Neil. Yeah. <laughs> He's writing about Anne Rand. Clearly, he doesn't want there to be included yeah, right. with the audience. That's Busy. a good point. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> no, I get it, man. I get it. Well, what, uh, what would you say, we'll say in, in recent times, uh, you know, one of your more memorable gigs, since we, we'll, fo- we'll focus on the gigs a little more than the, than the gear. What, uh, what yeah. are some things that have kind of stuck out to you uh, that, where you had the most fun and, uh, or had the best experience with the crowd? Last time I saw you was at the X Jam at uh, was it the X Jam at Nam? Uh, oh, this past this past one? No, um, Elements of Sound. Oh, that's what it was. Sorry, yeah, yeah. That was great. Yeah, that, that was, was a really fun show. show. Yeah, I mean those. Yeah, well, we'll talk about that. I mean, that was a great gig because everyone that was on that stage, like I'm a fan of, you know, and they're just because they're so good at the in the very you, you know unique specific thing that they do. Um, and I thought it made for a really cool night because all five of us didn't sound anything like each other. That's true. Was and that, it wasn't was that the one with the, Josh Smith or was that a different one? Yeah, it was Josh Smith, Andy Wood, Ariel Posen, Phil X, uh, myself, and, and Andy Timmons played too. Um, and I mean, yeah, there's maybe some similarities between us all, but, but very different kinds of players. Um, and, you know, the rhythm sections were all insane. You know, the, I love that, he, you know, hearing Gary Novak play or, or you know, Travis Carlton or, or my guys, you know, Wes and JT, you know. Um, yeah, JT killed it, man. He was. Yeah, they're just the best. And so it's like, 
that's really fun when five five guitar players can just put on a really cool evening of music and and the audience isn't like well they're gonna kick that guy's ass and like that guy you know like right you get sometimes you get that and i you know like if everyone if the people who thought that could stand on stage and talk with the five of us they would be like oh wait so you guys aren't competing you're just playing music and having a conversation oh okay i get it (laughs) you know i want hopefully i can say that enough and people get it like you know i make the mistake of reading the youtube comments and uh so you just you know it is what it is but well um, and that's like you were saying that you there's such stylistic differences like i love ariel posen's playing personally and sure yeah that but it's completely different like there's a right. you have such a unique flavors like if somebody came up to me and was like well who's better like i don't know man like <laughs> <laughs> yeah like that's kind of a that's kind of a weird question because well one like you said you're clearly not competing like right. you're good at individual things and you know having seen both of you play separately it's a it's an equally enjoyable experience, but it's a completely different experience as an audience member. Yeah. Well, I mean, we did a bill together at the sanctuary. Yeah. You know, and it was awesome. Right. Uh, you know, because it was like, here's two players that are playing at a, you know, a hundred percent of their capacity and you're going to have, you're going to enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Even if they're completely different sounds. Right. So but you both I think get they, I might have been 85 that night. But no. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. I was 110 all the way. Stop being modest, man. We know you're just phenomenal. So just there was that, there was that one note on that one song. <laughs> no, I one did song. record that. I was going to talk there about was that, that one note that kept happening throughout every piece of music. That I, you and Ariel both have a way of getting inside the song that a lot of guys don't. I mean, there's all the players you mentioned are great. We love all those guys, honestly. And you could throw Travis in there too. But sure. you and Ariel in particular have a way of getting so inside the song and finding kind of like um to me the way larry carlton does he finds the melody not just a melody that works or a nice melody or a great melody it's like oh that's the one i don't want to really change anything now that i've heard that and that Mm -hmm. ariel was uh, a surprise for me when i first started listening to him because he does even more unusual you didn't expect that things than a lot of guys you know and sure. and I, I want to believe he surprises himself, but he never ever seems like he didn't plan on doing that. Right. Well, you know, I'll tell you what. Even if even if I work on something for three months, as soon as I try to play it in front of people, it comes out bass backwards. Like, yeah. com- you know, that's just natural. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not one of those. I don't know. Maybe I don't know anybody's like this, but like, we all. I think there's this myth that like if we practice it consistently the same way every time that when it's time to perform it, it's going to be the exact same as the way we practiced it. And it never is. Steve Vai like, probably unless, does that, right? He's probably, uh, exactly. probably make, uh, I don't, you know, I, I don't know. I can't speak for Steve, but it's like, unless he's holding the concert in his practice room right. <laughs> with the same temperature and the same sweat on his hands as that day and the same pair of <laughs> underpants, like, you know what I mean? Like with the same life experiences that happened that day. Wow. There's in-depth but, interviews and then there's in-depth interviews, people. Exactly. Yeah. But you know, that's, that's the beauty of live music, man. It's like, right. it's the risk. Like that's what's so great is like the writ, like the, especially, you know, with music where there's improvisation, whether it's, you know, Sure. And I don't mean like just jazz. I just mean like anytime someone's playing a solo that they didn't right. recompose. Uh, yeah, that, that's that, con- that concept of, uh, you know, getting up on stage or having somebody come join you on stage and going, I don't know exactly what they're going to do, 
Like, right. It, it, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that's almost like a microcosm of what you were talking about as being a session player. You have to immediately kind of latch onto their energy and come up with something and go, okay, cool. He's doing this. So I'm already a few notes ahead or kind of know where I'm going to go in real time which sure. the thought yeah. stresses me out, but I'm not <laughs> nearly that good uh, of, of being that kind of way. But that's the creativity behind that's just got to be the coolest feeling. Well, it's just fun to listen. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. and, and just to kind of absorb yourself in the song and in the moment and just see what happens mm -hmm. and, and kind of let that, let that drive you, you know? So, I mean, that, you know, that's, that's kind of one of those things where you get, you know, we're talking about elements of sound and you have five guitar players on stage. It's like, well, what the heck are they all going to play? So they don't step on each other. <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> but everyone listens. If everyone listens, then it works. Right. <laughs> so. Boy, that's, that's the lesson a lot of musicians could, could really use to learn right there. Cause sure. Well, you know, about it's probably because it's been told to me a million times, yeah. you know? So yeah, I, I, yeah, that's true. And we and you can you know you can be worried. You, you have to be conscious of what you sound like. Sure. But you have to be conscious of what everything sounds like. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that's just the way it is, man. That's why I've always wanted to make sure that I hear everybody in my monitor mix, not just a select few or you know just the drums and bass or whatever. It's like I got to hear right. what the audience is hearing. Right. Because I hated yeah. coming off the stage and going, man, I sounded great, and people were like, oh, we couldn't hear you. Oh, really? Were you you? Uh, you know, that's the worst or worse yet. You sucked and everybody goes, man, your guitar was so loud. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Are you here? Are you hearing the talk back? Hey man, can, do you have the click in your ears? <laughs> uh, uh, you know what? No, no. Yeah. Uh, can we just do another take? You know? <laughs> yeah. That's like, that's like the, uh, Hey, where are you at, bud? Uh, what you playing? <laughs> right. What, uh, what key are you in? Remind yes. me again. What key are we in? <laughs> Oh, yeah. no, it's A. I'm pretty sure it's A. Yeah, we've all been there. A yeah. and a half. That's not even a thing, man. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, well uh, an, another, uh, another thing that I kind of, you know, in the spirit of that, that creative thing in the moment, uh, not to not to delve too deep into the gear stuff like we, we talked we about can talk. before the, before the thing. I, <laughs> I said to... we could talk about gear. I just didn't say we should talk about like So what sort of diameters filament did they use oh, as yeah, a telephone yeah. in 1940? Yeah. Exactly. I don't know. I can't yeah. even spell it. Okay, so <laughs> let's just – there. There's the wall. <laughs> oh, gosh. So what um, what would you say are, you know – maybe your top three things that you have that are consistently inspiring to you as a player. Like, do you pick up and you're just like, man, there's a song. Like gear stuff? Yeah. Like Ooh, it could oh. be a guitar, it could be a pedal, you know, what, oh. the things that you're in love with that are, if you're having a, a, a writer's block where you go, man, I've got an idea. I got to grab this because this will make it happen. This oh, it's got to it be his blue garage, man. Well, that one makes plenty of frequent appearances. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know what? I, I guess I'll say this. Everything that you see here in this room, even though some of it you can't see, um, <laughs> yeah. ha has a very specific creative uh, spark to it. Gotcha. Um, I don't really double up on sounds much in the okay. sense that like every one of these carved top humbucker guitars sounds totally different. 
yeah. even the two PRSs that are technically the same guitar. Sure. You know, one's a single cut, one's a double cut. But the pickups are, you know what I mean? Like there's so right, many right, differences right. between the two. Mm -hmm. um, I know exactly kind of the sound, like what I need to do, which thing I need to pick up. Gotcha. Um, and then, you know, the, the problem is, is this. <laughs> the, yeah. There's some doubling up back yeah. there. We, we are familiar. <laughs> yeah. The pedal, the pedal shelf, and then this, this that's another set of shelves uh, that need to sort of handle, because things are kind of on top of each other. But, um, you know, yeah, I, I try to get the inspiration from the guitar first. Sure. Um, and then as far as the pedals and things like that, I mean, I know, of course, there are some, like, really unique, wacky sounds that I know I will then come up with something unique and wacky. But then it's sure. like, okay, what are we doing with this now? <laughs> like, right. now you've created this weird sound, and if it turns into something, well, you're going to have to figure out a way to use that on the song every time you play it. Right. Right. Um, but, you know, like, or, go ahead. Oh, I was just because I always think of Steve Stevens and his ray gun sound. He did that on one song, <laughs> big hit. Now he's got to always carry the pedals to make that sound. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's you know, I'm sure he's fine. He probably got a couple ray. <laughs> probably sure. got a couple different ray guns at this point. I'm but. sure the incredible fame and money has made up for whatever inconvenience <laughs> his roadies have had to suffer hauling <laughs> that around for him. But nonetheless, for having ray guns. He probably has a pretty awesome collection of them at this point. Um, so you know, yeah, like I'm trying to think. I mean, I have like sort of the stuff that, that sits on, on my board that is generally what I would bring to a session or a gig. Right. You know, um, it's weird. You know, I'm still, I, I know what my sound is or what I want it to be, but mm -hmm. I'm still always sort of adjusting faders. <laughs> right. So to speak, to kind of tweak it, you know. Um, well, let's do a, a gear and gigs kind of thing to him. All right. Yeah. Okay, you've got you've got a gig where Quincy Jones just called you up and said, oh. "Yeah, I know, right? Well, cool. <laughs> if it's hypothetical, let's go all the way, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. So Quincy Jones calls you up, and says, "Luca, they're dropped out, man. I need you to come in. I'm just trying to throw a little gravy on there for you." Uh, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> you got to be here tonight. We're sending the limo to pick you up. You can only bring five pedals. Period. That's okay. it. Okay. What are they? All right. Um. All right, well, let's, let's see. Can you give me a little bit more information on the back line that you have at your studio? <laughs> no, that's no, the I'm thing. Sorry. You don't know. You don't know what they have. <laughs> no, no. Okay. He said, so, we got an amp. You'll be okay. Yeah, you have an amp. Okay. Yeah. I would bring my – okay, I got five. I would bring my Melody Overdrive, J-Rocket. Mm -hmm. I'd bring probably one more Overdrive that has maybe more of a heavier gain sound. But it's hoping Quincy, for the beat so it. You're hoping know. for the beat it. I get it. Yeah, it's yeah. Quincy. But you know this. Well, you know the story about that. Uh, when Luke originally recorded it, Quincy thought it was like too rock. He was like, "Man, I need wow. to get this on R and B radio. Can you redo the parts with like less gain?" And so, because I think he oh, had wow. like quadruple tracked his Marshall for the original <laughs> part. Yeah. But then, then he ended up just plugging through like a small Fender combo or something. Uh, so anyway, okay, so <laughs> uh, probably take the J Rocket Melody. I want to find that original take, track now, though. We're gonna have to see if we can find. Well, I don't know if yeah, right. Who knows where that is? Um, J Rocket Melody, maybe another like a maybe a heavier overdrive. Now, see, that's not a pedal. A heavier overdrive is not a pedal, man. Well, oh, we, we, we like made we an actual pedal. What are you bringing? 
Okay. And you don't have to own it if you don't there have you the wand, you know. <laughs> maybe, you a maybe a J-Rocket. Maybe a J-Rocket dude. I like that pedal a lot. I like the J-Rocket Guthrie Trap Overdrive. Um, I use one of those two and my signature pedal a lot. Gotcha. Um, the signature pedal is one of those things where you can get like just a little bit of breakup or you can get it to where it sings real nice, but it's not like in your face tread sure. machine. Um, okay, so that's two pedals. I think I would bring a volume pedal. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, maybe for swells and things like that, you know. Yeah. Um, probably a delay. What what um, what delay? Probably a TC Electronic Nova delay. Interesting. Oh, those are. Um, they're kind of hard to find now, actually. On some yeah. yeah. Um, especially now that you've said we, that, people are be eBaying like crazy. Let's say yeah. Brian Amelian has one that I think like the tap tempo switch doesn't even work on anymore. Right. It just won't get rid of it. Right. Um, maybe my Line 6 M5. Can I cheat and take a multi? Oh, effect? man. <laughs> okay, so, okay, so fine. Well, you didn't say that. You didn't I was say about to say, yeah, that's okay. technically a loophole. We'll, uh, we'll call that a No, it's fine. I, want, I can do it without it. Okay. Uh, okay, so we got a delay. We got the two drives. Yep. And, a, and, a volume volume pedal. and a volume pedal yeah. is four. So. Probably either a reverb or a tremolo. Okay. But it's Quincy Jones. See, I have this thing. It's like it's Quincy Jones. So No compressor, huh? No. Oh. Um, if, we're, if it's Quincy, we'll go straight into the board and use a CLA 76 or 1176. Do the Nile thing. Yeah, and yeah. just do it that way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that would be cool. It might be cool to have some kind of modulation thing. Like well, a, dude, like the limo's coming any minute. What's it going to be? I know. I, but at this point, <laughs> I'm just going to bring a guitar and a cable and just use whatever they have in the studio. Just, yeah. Like a real man. <laughs> I, I, figured, I figured if you had an amp, you must also have pedals. Oh, yeah. nice, nice. Yeah. Well, we have this Zoom. <laughs> yeah, I'll use it. I've done that before on records. Yeah. Um, so, Yeah. But, you know, it's funny. It's like, okay, well, do we need to really use a space for a delay? Because they probably have that going in post, mm -hmm. you know. Well, it turns so out they're maybe. recording on the top of a mountain in Tibet, so they're going to have oh, plenty okay. of room. Well, <laughs> well, I'll bring a parka. Uh, maybe a wah pedal. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, yeah, I don't use wah much. And so I don't ever, you know, wah is one of those things where as soon as I don't bring it, they want me to have one. Right. <laughs> you know. You drew out your wah. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> it's, like, it's like I never use it until, but then every time someone asks, it's like the time I didn't bring it. I tried to bring my line six, but they wouldn't let me, man. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I'd probably get probably get enough done. I mean, I yeah, that, that usually ninety percent of the sessions I do is like there's usually some some verb somewhere, maybe a delay, some kind of overdrive. And then stylistically, there might you know I might use a phase shifter if it's like a funk or R&B tune or something. I use tremolo a lot. Yeah, is that your thing? Is that your effect, tremolo? I don't know if it's my thing, but I I mean it, it definitely makes an appearance because it just it just it works for all sorts of stuff, and I do it on all kinds of records. Um, it's hard so, to know, find space for tremolo, tremolo. You really got to cut out the space to to make sure it people can tell it's tremolo and not there's something wrong with this guitar. Something wrong. <laughs> She's yeah, sure. kind of going in and out. What is that? Yeah, right, right. Have you got a click so, in your ears? Yeah. 
What, what key are we in again? <laughs> um, yeah, that would probably get the job done. Wait, isn't a flint, a Strymon flint, isn't that reverb and tremolo? Uh, could be. I yeah. don't know. I don't yeah, know. there you go. That could be yeah, a, a pedal five and you could I thought we weren't doing multi effects. Well, I'm trying to slide well, you in, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'll bring my TC plethora pedal. There we go. Oh, you got one of those, huh? Yeah, yeah. You like it? Uh, Brian a million hooked it up. Yeah. Oh. Well, he, I mean, he didn't hook it up like hey, man, so he, uh, <laughs> he actually literally plugged it in. For did me. all of the, yeah. Yeah, he did the hard work. Oh. Uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm I'm still kind of getting around it, you know. I like uh, to see things it. I would. Yeah, I love their stuff. There's some things I would change about that though. Oh about yeah. Like. Yeah. Well, it's the the conceptually, it's a really cool idea. Right. And very convenient and sounds good. I mean, the mm -hmm. sounds are are the TC pedals and the sound. I love you know I have a bunch of TC pedals. They're great. Right. Uh, the user interface for on the fly adjustments of sounds is a little bit haphazard. Gotcha. Um, you have to like hit a switch and then do a thing and then do the parameter and then do the thing and then flip the switch back. You know, it's like, I'm used to just button <laughs> knob, you know? Right. So that, that I'm not super cool with, but. They need a caveman edition with the, uh, the easier they software. Do. They need the, they need the, I don't read the manual edition, which is, <laughs> which is the, the case, which is probably most musicians. Cause we yeah. just want to make music. We're not going to, it's like, man, I don't need this. I'm sure I can figure it out. I always think I'm going to read the manual later, and right now I'm just messing around with it. Then the next time I'm, I'm just still messing around with it, and then it's like eight months later, I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess I'm never going to read the manual because I know most of oh. it by now. But yeah, then somebody exactly. will come along that has read the manual and go, oh, dude, you don't have to go through those eight things. You just do this. Oh. Right. <laughs> exactly. I think that's how I am with the Kemper. Like yeah. I, I, it does so much stuff and I just like plug in and turn it. I don't even turn it. I turn it to browser. I don't even, right. <laughs> even turn it past browser. Oh, sounds good. Okay. Well, but, you know, but that's yeah. literally, that's literally how that's designed to work though. I get it. It's good. Well, I'm glad I made it that, you know, cause I see all these other people on these forums and they're like, and then I got this foot switch which goes into that foot switch which midi clocks like, to the drummer's wife's. No, I do have mine set up she, to the librarian and it's actually kind of nice. It's actually right. kind of nice. I don't even know what that is. What is well, it's what's just, the librarian? Basically, uh, it's, it's just a software program that catalogs all of them, right? So I've got 2000, what do I call profiles, okay. profiles in profiles. there. And I've got like a thousand in the machine, but that's too many to browse through. And in the studio, we're always going, you know, let's change it, sure. let's change it. So it's so nice to just be able to search by amp type or by who did mm -hmm. it. Or you just type, you type it in or something? Just type it in right. search oh, that's cool. and it'll come up. And then you just double click on it and boom, it's just in the Kemper instantly. I like that. That's, that's good. That was nice. But I yeah, don't I'm use still, that laptop for anything else. It's just that. I'm a scroll knob guy. Hey, I'm same. <laughs> but yeah, I, I have to. I have to tell yeah. people all the time, like when they're, when they're looking at them, like, man, if, if you don't plug into it and it's just like 98% there, just move on to the next profile. Cause sure. it's like, if you have to tweak it a ton, then it's really no longer what it was kind of designed for in the first place. I mean, that's, yeah, that's why I fell in love with it for myself was the, Oh, cool. If I don't like that JCM, I'm sure there's another 20 that I can play. Over is, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Same way. I mean, I, I use a lot of profiles from Michael Britt. Yep. And uh, and he'll send you know he'll send you like five different mm -hmm. iterations of the same matchless or whatever, and so you don't even really need to change the tone knob. You just go no. to the next one. So yeah, well, we're, I, yeah, yeah. We're doing a bunch of profiles here at the studio, 
Um, oh, cool, man. So I'll send it to you, and you can let me know what you think. All right, great. Be awesome. What amps are you? Oh man, we've got uh, we've got like a '55 Fender Harvard. We've got uh, a two rock, a cool. uh, couple Mesa Mark Fives, uh, uh, Mesa Fillmore. Uh, Sweet. Actually, I don't have any of those. Got uh, so that'll be got cool. a bunch. Yeah, a whole bunch of different. All right, stuff. wicked man. Very cool. Thank you. Trey ended up using a couple of them on uh, on his project. Yeah. yeah. Sweet. Yeah, the the Fillmore one in particular is just. That's a great amp, just in general. Right. Uh, that was what I, I get a lot of people asking about those Martin Miller session videos. That was the amp I used. Yeah. Oh. And that was Fillmore 50. Yeah. It was an Andy uh, Timmons video that convinced me to try the Fillmore amp demo and the Fillmore. I'm like, man, that is the tone right there. Yeah. And they sound really good. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Very satisfying. Yeah. Oh man. So on your last session, since we've asked you what you would take to a hypothetical session on your last session, what pedals did you take? Trying to think. Well, I took my board. I just took my oh, board. Okay. Uh, and and ended up using three of the sounds. I, I was recording for a friend of mine, bass player named Ben Bledsoe here in the area, and he wrote this kind of like funk disco song. And so I I played um, the 1985 Ibanez Roadstar. Oh wow! Nice. Yeah. Wow. I wanted to go. I wanted to go <laughs> way back. Yeah, for and, sure. Because it's got a really kind of unique period correct sound sure that guitar does um it's in the case actually from leftover from the session um which i got on reverb.com <laughs> it was from a guitar shop in imperial vintage i think they're in la or hollywood or something anyway so not an expensive guitar at all mm-hmm. um and then i brought yeah i brought the pedal board i think i used a little bit of chorus for my m5 uh the mxr carbon copy delay i love that thing hmm. i set it for just a little bit of you know, click. Um, yeah. And then a little bit of reverb from the TC Hall of Fame where I think I found like a, it was the, it was my tone print, mm. the Montreal tone print, which if you turn all the way down on the decay knob, it's like this slightly modulated, really short, like tile reverb kind oh, of thing. Like an early reflection yeah. almost. Yeah. And so I had this like, I had that with the, with the MXR, carbon copy to give it kind of this nice little bit of depth with the chorus and then i ran it into the camper and used a jc120 nice oh wow Uh, so it's really clean glassy like kind of with this a little bit of space on it did you use the chorus Uh, on the jc120 no i used the chorus from the m5 oh you said that i'm sorry yeah yeah uh and that was it That that was we did one tune and uh and uh yeah that was it Now, I, I want to ask you this because I, I, it's been a recurring theme with everybody we've had on the show, and I've always been surprised, but it seems like everybody always likes Prince and the Police. Are you also a Prince and Police guy? Oh, man, totally. Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised we haven't talked about Prince yet. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love both of those bands. Yeah. Bands. I love them. I love, wow, I sound like a real fan. <laughs> I love the band Prince. Uh, no, Prince is like one of my all-time you know heroes man really um, and you know, oh yeah oh yeah for as a guitar player but but just as an artist as an entity right well <laughs> yeah, you do some really funky it. spicy chords that i'm thinking that's well i mean yeah i took a lot Princess. i took a lot of guitar lessons from prince yeah nice. not in person of course but um yeah i love the way he plays but also just fits the parts into the tunes and the arrangements. Like that I think was what was really important to me where wow. how these 
parts just fit and worked. Well, you're you such know? a rhythmic player. And, and I, when you see Prince doing anything, even just being interviewed or whatever, it's like every move he does is rhythmic. Even if he's just walking across the stage, even sure. if he's just walking across the stage, he seems very rhythmic about it. And your playing is like that. You never seem to step out of the rhythm. You're always, always emphasizing and, and supporting and improving the groove. Cool. Thanks. Yeah, I, that's my goal, man. You know, I mean, whether I'm playing four notes or 400, like it's all got to push the groove forward and fit in the pocket and feel great. Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, Prince was huge and, and the police were real important too. Um, definitely. Because most of the stuff I do is as a trio. Right. You know? <laughs> um, so I took a lot of cues from how they, that what was cool about them is, you know, they made three people sound like a bunch just because they would all lock in on something really specific and syncopated or whatever and right. just fit. And that is always going to sound great. You know? and, and Andy Summers has always been a, a personal kind of favorite of mine because of that. Like I'm used to being a single guitar player, either in a full band or I've got to make it sound like a full band and his yeah. chordal, like it almost was classical in its, in his, the way that he would arrange things and fill the space with the chords and everything and have the melody move with the bass line that stings, but down yet. Yeah, right. Well, that yeah, is awesome. Totally. The uh, let's, let's throw another uh, top five if we can. Sure. Uh, and do uh, top five most influential, we'll say bands uh, for you as a, as an artist. Mm. All right. Bands. So, oh, well, <laughs> Prince, Prince would be included. No, uh, yeah, well, no, 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 let's make it. Let's let's do bands. Okay, let's do let's bands. Do his, yeah, let's let's compartmentalize it a little bit more. All right. Uh, I would say King's X. Yes. I would say Steely Dan. Yes. Yeah. Two. Uh, Van Halen. Yeah. Awesome. Bands. Huh. Oh. Now he's saying bands <laughs> like it's the problem. Unbelievable. Now, well, now I'm thinking solo artists. Okay, hold on. We're going to get there. Um, bands. Dang. You can still uh, say the police, I guess. You know. Yeah. Okay, here we go. The Revolution. <laughs> <laughs> that was Prince's. Or the New Power Generation. There oh, now which Prince's is it, man? Bands. I don't know. They're very yeah. different sounds. Yeah. Very different. Revolution. Sounds. Probably. But yeah. The new power generation was killing, man. <laughs> One of my favorite records ever is the gold experience by by Prince and the oh. New Power Generation. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah. But anyway. But I think New Power Generation was also on like Diamonds and Pearls and I think. I don't want that wasn't the revolution, I don't think. Who did um, musicology? Well, that was I don't know what he called that band. Um, either. That was a great show. It may have been NPG. I think New, I think NPG New Power Generation like became NPG, and that was sort of the. I think the revolution was really just like the '80s Purple Rain, kind of leading up. You know, Dirty Mind controversy. That was the revolution band. So maybe that would be the band because I love all that super old Brent stuff. But um, bands, bands, bands. He's running a foul of his own stipulations. Well, these are these questions that you rehearse in your mind a million times, and then someone asks you, and you're like, oh. <laughs> Wait, can I look at my iPod? Yeah, well, I th I'm actually thinking about holding up my iTunes. Let me get the last two later. We'll come back to it. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Copping out. 
Yeah. It'll just, it'll hit you and you'll just be like, oh, exactly. yeah, this one. I will interrupt you immediately. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, we're going to call at 3 a.m. <laughs> uh, Earth, wind, and yeah, fire, like, man. Earth, wind, and fire. Uh, I mean, I like Earth, wind, and fire, but, I, you know, they didn't change. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. They pro- probably will. I should just go listen to everything they ever did, you know. Well, dude, you've definitely got some earth, wind, and fire in you, whether you know it or not. Well, I know I. Well, yeah, it's been in there for sure. Yeah, that's the, you know they're one of those. Yeah, they're in there yeah. as an influence for sure. Well, and you, you just did that uh, that five. Easy Lover cover. Yeah. Well, yeah, Philip Bailey. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Jimi Hendrix Experience. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling right now. You guys can't see this. But... What a cheater! Oh, right. <laughs> Maybe Parliament Funkadelic. Oh, there you go. Maybe, you know, you could put the police in there because I could listen to the police for a long time and not get mm-hmm. bored. Right. Do you like Sting on his own? I do like Sting on his own. See, that's the thing. I love, I, a lot of my biggest influences are solo artists, you know, like the right. Jeff Beck group, you know, or, right. you know, um, yeah, or Sting is so, yeah, Joe, you know, I mean, um, gosh, like like I, half the people that played in Steely Dan are like personal solo artist influences of mine. You know? Right. Uh, Toto is really cool. I like Toto. Oh, yeah. good. Toto is awesome. But, yeah, Van Halen. Guns N' Roses. I mean, you know. Oh, maybe put ZZ Top up there. I don't know, man. This is tough. This question sucks. Let's it, do was spo- one. it was supposed to be. <laughs> I should have just said no. <laughs> Pass. Yeah. Pass. Yeah. The James Gang, but also Joe Walsh. I don't know. Ben Lizzie. What the heck? <laughs> Tony, Tony, Tony. You know? Wow. I'm just, I'm trying to, yeah, I'm thinking. Um, Nothing for grunge, this, like, I thought you'd mention a grunge I mean, somewhere. Well, King's X invented grunge, didn't they? <laughs> isn't that the, isn't that the, that's like the hot button issue. It's like, I don't know. They were that's, seeing that's a, a whole, lot of people. <laughs> that's a whole other podcast. It's wow. been quoted. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Amund from Pearl Jam. Said really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, that they are a very important band to me. Sure. Because in, I'll tell you why, because I love heavy music. I love Pantera and Metallica and Megadeth and, you know, these heavy bands and King's X wasn't really that, but they had this aggressive, this heavy aggression. Yeah. It had it. Yeah. Yeah, The riffs and the power, but they had harmony and soul and groove and all these Mm -hmm. other things that I love from R and B music, you know, like, and then they, the Beatles harmony stuff. It's crazy. You know, it's funny. I didn't mention the Beatles, but I don't. Or Zeppelin or Pink Floyd or. You know what, man? Like, oh God, here come the comments. Like (laughs) those bands are all very important. Absolutely. But I don't know if they really, if I had a phase where I was just like super into them. Right. Like I know the material, I know the music. Right. But they were like classic rock radio bands. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's like I knew of Led Zeppelin because they played whole lot of love every 20 minutes on the <laughs> classic rock race well, like black you know, dog I, was on a was on a chevy commercial or something right like that. yeah and so it was like oh yeah this is cool this is awesome but like i think what it was you know it a big part of what what i li- started listening to came from what my parents listened to right you know and so like my dad 
for him, the music that we heard in the house was like the Birds, mm. Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, mm-hmm. Eagles. You know, so like those oh, are the bands that were introduced. Yeah, those are the bands that were introduced to me directly. Right. Um, and those are all very like I love Jackson Brown. Like oh my gosh, like mm-hmm. love Jackson Brown. You know. And, uh, and then, you know, my mom used to listen to like, she had all these old Herbie Hancock records, the Headhunters, oh, you know, wow. or the Crusade, or the Crusaders, you know, like these were bands that were introduced directly to me that I didn't just find on the radio or something. Like I sort right. of found Led Zeppelin on the radio. They were right. like the radio classic rock band. And of course they're amazing. And I love them, but like, I don't, I don't know if they're like a top five all time for me personally. So well, I'm not hearing any jazz so. names come up. Well, I said, uh, well, Steely Dan's jazz to me. Okay. Jazz, but we said, are we saying bands? Yeah. <laughs> Where are we, what are we talking about yeah. now? Is it still bands? Okay. Well, the Crusaders and Steely Dan are tech sort of jazz bands, I guess, whatever, not really. But um, the, I think the, the jazz musicians that really got to me were, were guitar, guitar players, like right. John Schofield, mm. huge to me. You know, um, like we're talking about Pat Martino was big. Uh, Pat Metheny is one of those artists where if I've only heard Bright Size Life, oh, wow. I'd be fine. Yeah. Like that's one of those records, like I have two Pat Metheny records and I'm okay with just listening. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. like you get the one, it was like, well, this is perfect. Like, this is it. American yeah. Garage for me. There you go. Yeah. I mean, and of course he's got an incredible catalog, but I'm still... I'm still not done with those two yet <laughs> with right. Bright Size Life yet. You know what I mean? Um, Wayne Krantz is like that too. You know, he's a huge mm-hmm. influence of mine. Um, as far as like, you know, the horn players and piano players, I'm like, I, I, I should just, I need to go listen to more of that. You know, right, I think a ahead, lot no of it was, Yeah, right. Yeah, I'll be yeah. back in 10 years. Um, you know, but as a guitar player, I was just drawn, I was more drawn to the guitar as, you right. know, George Benson or Wes Montgomery or something like that because I could, I couldn't really play it. I still can't, but like I can resonate with it right. on a, on an immediate connection, maybe more so than like, you know, a John Coltrane or something like that, even though of course that's amazing music. So. Well, I, I thought it was interesting. The, the, the distinction, cause I don't, I don't hear that brought up a lot. The, you know, I'm really more influenced as a player by the stuff that my parents showed me too. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. You know, although I was a big Pink Floyd fan, it wasn't, like I, I, I have tried so hard to get into Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah, and I just can't. I get it. My wife I, loves Pink Floyd. Yeah, like uh, I'm just like, like, like the opinions yeah, of Trey awesome, Hawkins but, do not reflect the yeah, opinions yeah, of the yeah. management. <laughs> yeah. but, but we were talking about before we before we called you, uh, "Obscured by Clouds." Oh yeah, is one of my favorite records, and yeah. nobody knows that that's a Pink Floyd record. And, you know, so I, I kind of started with the radio thing and then dug deep and, and it was like my own little secret that I'd be like, yeah, I listen to Pink Floyd, but I listen to like, you know, the, the cool Pink Floyd that nobody cool else Pink knows Floyd. about. Yeah, right, right. Uh, but like the, you know, my parents showed me Fleetwood Mac early on. And that was one that was kind of for me, like, uh, and speaking of solo artists, like Lindsey Buckingham was huge for me. And I didn't realize how much of, what I liked about them was just him sure. uh, and, and things. Yeah. So that's, that, that, that's kind of cool that you brought that up. Like the, the lineage of, of music from your specific, like there was an emotional connection from your parents that was transferred to you. Well, I mean, you know, and there was, there was plenty of Beatles too. I remember sure. 
playing through a big Beatles anthology song. Well, not playing through it, but like learning tunes out of it, like with my dad, you know, he plays mm-hmm. a little bit of guitar. And so, like, so that, that had, there's a connection there for sure. Um, but then it was like Jimi Hendrix, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you don't know. And so then, then it was right. like, you know, I'm a guitar guy, you know, but um, yeah, I mean, like we're talking about like one album from one band and you're like, that's good. I'm good. Huey right. Lewis sports. Yes. Really love that. Album. Oh my God. Love it. Yes. It's amazing. It's and there so doesn't great. need it's to be like, any more. And there doesn't need to be. Any <laughs> I mean, they made more. Right, and they yeah. were cool, but like they did it. Like this is quintessential eighties pop rock, good time radio music. Doesn't get any better than that. And I and that was like I had that kiss. My dad had that cassette, and I just right. remember cruising around in his Volkswagen. It was freaking Huey Lewis. And I was five, <laughs> you know, six, whatever. Yeah. Um, and you know, heck, that that record, the Top Gun soundtrack. Oh, was like nice. big in our house <laughs> so I, I you know i knew steve stevens was way back harold faltermeyer you know uh, um uh, what's um kenny, kenny Lo- you know kenny Loggins. Yes. yeah i mean and, and what's kind of cool is like going back now and, and uh like on danger zone i think that solo is dan huff right oh i think you're right maybe i don't know so like that's now. cool I'm going to check it. But like, as a, you know, as a professional player now, I'm looking back at the, all these glorious eighties sessions and being like, Oh yeah, that was so and so and stuff that I just remember from my childhood, you know? Right. That's Damn. right. That's <laughs> what people will do with, about you in, in 20 years. Well, I hope I'll be looking back on the, on the 50 cent album or the Nelly and be like, who was that? Who have I been digging to? Oh my God. <laughs> Which yeah, dude, it was uh, Dan Huff yeah. on danger zone. Song kicks ass, man. Yeah, <laughs> which I I love the like kind of I don't know if you've noticed, but like the almost eighties pop revival that we've there's going some on. of that. Yeah, a friend like, of mine sent me a tune from the nineteen seventy five. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I was like, wow, like this is like yeah, it's like it's, almost they it's like they went back in time or something. It so if you like them, check out. Uh, there's a group called the band Camino. Oh yeah, yeah, I've heard the name. Cool. Okay, love that band. Yeah, and the record they cool. just put out is it. It is. It felt like to me. I mean, even though it's new, it came out in twenty nineteen or twenty twenty. But it felt like that same kind of Huey Lewis kind of the outfield. Oh, yeah. uh, nice. You know that, and it just gave me that feeling of like, oh man, this is so cool. Uh, that, cool. That 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 music uh, just kind of naturally has so so yeah if you're if you're hunting for stuff to listen to and it's got All a right. lot of cool guitar effects and and they they definitely play around on it a lot. But see, this all jibes with your happy joy thing that I feel, happy happy joy joy that I feel with you that the '80s were such a happy music time. You know, it seems like there's so much happy music and and uh-huh. you get to the '90s and it became much more not so happy. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I definitely because I started learning guitar in the mid in the mid nineties. I want to say my age, but uh, so like that was still all over the radio, and it was like right. Soundgarden, Smashing Pumpkins, Stone Love, Stone Temple Pilots. Yeah, mm-hmm. still do, still think they're highly underrated. To me, they were kind of like I thought they had a lot of Led Zeppelin in their sound. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. The way a lot of their yeah, yeah, you know, especially the guitars and stuff were arranged it was very Jimmy Page. Um, I loved them. I loved Soul Asylum. I loved the Gin Blossoms, mm-hmm. you know? So I definitely had a 90s rock 
I can still play a lot of that stuff. Too. <laughs> we do a fun thing when the, when the guitar players and Snarky Puppy are just wasting time in the studio. We just like try, to, try to stump each other with different 90s riffs, and I always win. So <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So. Well, it's like we always sound check with 38 Special, just because. Uh, uh, which one? With um, Hold on oh, Loosely. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, the only, the only one. Um, the old, oof. well they were all kind of hey. the same chord progression i was about to say yeah like i'm, I'm like trying to think like wait is that what we're, we're doing because yeah, it, it, it gets to a point where we're you know just kind of morphing it into something else that is just kind of this ambiguous 38 special it's not really any particular song it's just all of it. it i love it but yeah i mean you know the 90s they're a great band. Yeah, I, I loved a lot of that Southern rock stuff too, man. I loved mm -hmm. Leonard Skinner. One of the most amazing in, as a 16 year old musical experiences I saw was seeing Leonard Skinner and ZZ Top oh. at the Oakland Coliseum. That's a guitar yeah. show. Uh, yeah, it definitely was. And Skinner opened for ZZ Top. And, and you know, Skinner oh, wow. ended, this was like, you know, I think, I don't, like, some of the guys were still alive, <laughs> you know. <laughs> At this point, like, I think it was the original piano player. It makes the show better, man, when the band is still alive, I'm telling you. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, like. Yeah, like, the original band. Yeah, part of the original really band. But, but, you know, like, Gary Rossington was playing guitar, and, like, you know, so it was, like, it was really cool. And um, Leon, uh, the bass player, was still, uh, it was still there. So it was, like, it was like this big event, and they played Freebird, and I, like, lost it. You know, yeah. This was in California. So it's like you're, oh, you know, wow. you're not supposed to like Leonard Skinner. <laughs> Southern Rock has no place in the Bay Area. What the heck? Right. But they they filled that place up. You know what I mean? And um, See, I've always wanted to go to a Leonard Skinner concert and like before they even start start, start yelling Freebird just to see what happens. Right. I don't know if anyone did. I think they all kind of respected. They're like they knew they were going to hear it. Yeah. You know, this was like we're not going to say it. You yeah. don't have to ask for Freebird from Leonard Skinner. At, from Leonard Skinner. That's the only. And thing. it was you know it was this big. They had like a. I think there was an eagle on the piano with like an American <laughs> flag. I was like, I love like, yes. oh, my country. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so I was you wait till yeah. ZZ Top gets on. Top comes out. Freebird. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so then ZZ Top came on and, and they were just so cool. You know what I mean? I was just like, these guys, there's three of them. They're so cool. Like, uh, I wish I could be that cool, but I'm wearing gold navy jeans, you know? <laughs> and an Abercrombie sweater or well, something. That, that was like, so I, uh, I saw... Um, Kansas at a rib festival in St. Pete. Yeah. Like, nice. and, I, and I'm watching them and I'm looking around like, does anybody else see this? Like, how cool is this? And, and, and nobody cared. Like, it was like me and a few other people that were like just. But, then, but then they play Carry On Waver Center. Like, oh, yeah. Hell oh, yeah. yeah man, hell yeah, brother. Guys. I know that song. I know these guys. Yeah, dude. I remember I saw, um, I saw Def Leppard here in Fort Worth. Um, yeah, they love those guys. Baseball, LaGrave Field. Um, and I snuck in. My friend and I hopped the fence. <laughs> and uh, I was old enough to know that I was a childish thing to do, but I still did it. Uh, and so I bought a t-shirt because I felt bad. Um, so I wanted to sell the bands. I, I don't know, man. That's pretty rock and roll. $40 t-shirt, yeah. I think the t-shirt was more than the, I don't know how much the ticket price was, but we, we hopped the fence. Uh, so I bought a t-shirt. Yeah, you'll date they yourself with a concert price, man. Don't say it. Yeah, right. But uh, yeah, they were kick-ass. I, I, that was, you know, I used to see a lot of concerts. That was just what we did, me and my friends did with our lawn mowing money. 
you know, we would say, you know, get, go get lawn seats at Shoreland Amphitheater and see Metallica or Aerosmith or, um, God, we saw everybody there. We saw B.B. King. We saw Santana a couple times. We actually everybody, saw everybody. Yeah. You know, that was what was cool about growing up in the Bay. Great, great bands would come through and play the big arenas and everything, you know. Which is, I guess, it's like here, Dallas, a little bit. But say, I, I feel like, because uh, I, I don't think we're too far apart in age, but like I feel like there was, in like late 90s, early 2000s, it was just a good time to be able to see music. It was a, yeah, there was, everyone was touring because a lot of these legend bands were like getting a second win and coming yeah. I mean, me and my friend hopped the fence again uh, and saw. <laughs> so what we found is you're a scoff law, basically. So I'm a bit of a colonel. Uh, yeah, in California at the Charlotte Amphitheater, we hopped the back fence uh, and saw Poison, Slaughter, Dokken, and Cinderella. All right! <laughs> and, you know, it was cool. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say, Red Beach was playing his ass off that night. Oh, yeah, he's awesome. And uh, so that was very cool. And then there was a part in the Poison set. You know, Poison was Poison. But they invited, I guess, they, earlier there was, like, a guy running around backstage passes giving them to, like, you know, women. And uh, at the end of the show, most of these women were on the stage not wearing really anything. Sure. And so me and my friend were like, we should do rock and roll, maybe, for – for a living, possibly. I don't, you know, I don't know. Just a thought. I mean, the guitars are nice. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. It's like, is this what happens when you drive a rock and roll? <laughs> no, we were six teams. So we yeah. like, oh. Anyway. So how many times has that happened that you've had? You know, That's only happened one time. But I have broken into two concert venues. <laughs> yeah. I was about to say, so. I, I feel like uh, you may have chosen an avenue in music that diminishes the ability for uh scantily clad women yeah it, that was never that was never the focus right for me we just thought we were like well this is we are having a good time and this is clearly the focus for this band which also right. might explain why they sound the way they do. <laughs> <laughs> so you know then we would go see dream theater and it was 100 percent dudes but it oh was yeah killing, you know <laughs> so, uh, yeah whatever yeah so yeah. Yeah, I remember the point at which I, you know, we, we got done with like a string of shows or something and I went, man, our fan base is dis like strikingly, distinctively male. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> and, and it, it, it was just funny, like, because I, I, you do, like, you kind of grow up with this, like, oh, yeah, we're going to be rock stars, we're going to do this. And there's this perception of, you know, just kind of everybody coming together. And in reality, it's, you know, a club with four dudes in the back going like this <laughs> right thinking of it who were like you. he didn't change to his neck pickup on that part on the record he changed to yeah. his neck pickup on that yeah. i'm like oh man yep. this is the dream <laughs> hey you know we're all we're those guys i'm sure yeah. i was that i probably still am that guy. i was looking on the record he was using <laughs> no a hundred percent i was that guy we're all yeah we're all total dorks man so but i so i think we're just all pissed we're not poison that might be the might be really what it is we didn't make it so. Yeah. Well, that's uh, sorry. We said we're just derailing your podcast here. Oh, okay. <laughs> Little did you know this like was a, the point. A family show, and here we're talking about rock debauchery or whatever, or lack this thereof. I should this, say. This is why we typically stay on the gig side, but you wanted to go to the or the gear side. Is this the gear oh, side? This is the, yeah. <laughs> this is the, this is yeah. the gig side. This is All right. This is we the, go back to the gear side. 
<laughs> well, before we do, what, what, what are you listening to now? What kind of bands are you, bands uh, or, or artists? Actually, yes. I was going to bring it up. It, he's an artist, um, not active as a solo artist anymore, but uh, he released two solo records in the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s. His name is Chucky Booker. And uh, my buddies told me about him. Um, he's, a, he's a piano player and bass player. Unbelievable player. And his okay. music is like early 90s New Jack Swing, R&B, oh. like boys to men, but with chop, like musical chops. Okay. Like Tony, that's Tony, kind Tony of part kind of stuff. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. But to me, it reminds me more of like boys to men, but with like a, a more of a focus on the instrumentals. Sure. Um, and it's just great. I mean, the songs are cool. The harmony is really cool. The playing is amazing. It has that 90s sound, which yeah. I like that kind of production value. Um, so I've been wearing those records out, man. Yeah. Um, texting my friend like, did you hear? And he was like, Yeah, dude, I know. I thought you were <laughs> <laughs> JT told me about him. Oh, uh, JT, okay, and, yeah. JT and Wes were both like super into him, and then JT was like, Hey, you gotta check this out. And I finally just bought the records and was just like, hey, man, you, you know, and he's just like, Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, so it's I'm nice reading about it. It's nice yeah. to hear the guy that sneaks into the concerts bought the record. That I'm just saying. That's <laughs> oh yeah. Well, that's the thing. I I'm definitely a purchaser of music. I, I mean, I like to do that if, when I, you know, if I really like it, I'm going to buy it. I, I don't really I'll it. sneak into the damn it's show, strange. but I buy the t-shirt, man. <laughs> hey, look, I've bought several Def Leppard records and a t-shirt. <laughs> if they come back, I will buy a ticket. I deserve uh, I didn't buy a Poison record, though. <laughs> so, I still have a t-shirt. I wear it a lot, you know. No, I... I you have. bought it from a bootlegger out in the parking lot. It's not I bought it from the official. Shirt. No, it was the official <laughs> merchandise. It's like forty bucks. I was about oh. to say, yeah, he spent forty dollars on it at least. Yeah, I mean, I think the tickets were twenty-five. I mean, it was. I'm not sure. It was one of those things where I was like, Def Leppard is playing here. Yeah. You know, I, I don't. I think it was just. A, I don't know what the if they were on tour or maybe it was like some kind of special because they, you know, and I don't even know if what Grave Field has shows there. Anymore. You guys know what Grave Field at before we're here? Mm. Um, well, anyway, yeah, it was like a minor league baseball park. Oh, wow. And it was like Def Leppard's playing. You know, it was like normally they would you know, play the AAC or something like that. But who knows? Whatever. I saw them for free. Those were, those were always really cool shows that, that were in, in like, uh, down in Florida. It was Tropicana Field. Was, yeah. And you'd have bands, like, that would be way too big to do that. And they right. just let people in for free, like, after a ball game. Or something like right. that. Right. Got the sneak and, in anyway, man. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe it was I after a game or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's not hard. <laughs> what are you doing? Sure. Sneaking in, man. It's free. Yeah, but yeah, but check it me anyway. out, man. Yeah. I'm gonna risk breaking my ankle yeah. jumping off this thing. But they're not gonna know I'm here. So yeah. when Mark Latieri asks you to go to a show. There's some subterfuge going to be involved. It's not like he's got <laughs> tickets. It's like, come on. Look, if you if I play outdoors and you hop the fence to come see me, I I'm will give you a so high five. going to. Yeah. <laughs> that goes to anyone that's listening. To Trey this. and I'll I mean, be in the back going. Just yeah. If I see some scruffy, there. if I see a couple scruffy teenagers just fly over the fence, I will. They can come on stage and jam with me. That's because that's awesome. As long as they buy a show. But we did try to do it for Ozfest and we got chased out. Uh, Finally, guy, yeah, the, guy on ATV. Yeah, that was good. The the Ozfest, uh, you know, c crowd. I feel like is a little less forgiving than maybe the Poison crowd. Well, I, I mean, I don't, we didn't. 
didn't really make it that far to go. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Cause like sure, the way shoreline was built, it, it, there's like the back side of the lawn is just like, it's like a field, basically like a hill. Yeah. You can scramble up the hill and then, you know, there'd be the guy with the ATV. It was like, like an ET where they're chasing them. Like, oh, <laughs> you know, like, running back down. Just kidding. We weren't actually trying to just get Yeah. Them. Like, Oh, we just wanted to see if we could, can I buy a yeah. shirt first? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see, we all got we also got kicked out backstage at the Conquer Pavilion trying to meet Joe Satriani one time. That was, Hear that, Joe? That was awkward. <laughs> <laughs> we, we had, yeah, we, we got escorted out in the in the police golf cart that time. Oh. But we weren't like being weird. We weren't like yeah. pushing. We were just kind of standing there. Like we were the kids that were standing there, and they got yeah. like, passes. We're like, no, just, do you have one? He's like, I don't have pass. I don't know. <laughs> do you have one? We're like, all right, you guys need to leave. So. 20 minutes later, we walk up. It's you guys again. Yeah, did you get a pass? <laughs> you have one? No. I, okay, get in the car. We got, like, yeah. <laughs> we were uh, harmless, but anyway. Yeah. Wow. Little did we yeah. know we'd uncovered this kind of <laughs> background information. Oh, what did you think? It was all just sitting at home practicing? No, yeah, I thought you were this Sneaking nice guy content. doing these Christian TV shows and stuff. We're like, hey, he's salt of the earth. Oh, no. You don't know the real one, too. We're just there to see our favorite bands, man. I mean, there's probably also a pretty big dichotomy of, you know, Christian television and going to a Poison concert. But, you know, either way. Well, <laughs> we, all, we all live in our own little Trey does, lanes here. Trey does worship service shows, and then he's doing hardcore shows. And, you know, that's, you that, that kind of has become a the, – the worship market and the worship scene has become really much more – prevalent for guitar players and important in the last god i'm starting to drag it back to like a serious interview i'm so sorry ah, all right. <laughs> oh, it was like a real question <laughs> never mind but uh, yeah. but but both of you guys have something to talk about in that arena so there i'll just toss that out and as a topic yeah totally yeah i mean you know for me it was always kind of more on the gospel side of things but right. i do uh do a, i would say a fair amount but i had some ccm kind of stuff every now and then right. um yeah, it's cool. It's a whole other guitar sound. It is. What um, What would be your most of all the of all the gigs you've had at any time, no matter what condition? What would be your most nerve wracking show where you got up there and you're like, either I'm not prepared or I'm gonna wet myself or or have you well, always just been Mister Confident and you've never had that? Oh no. There's getting up and being i'm not prepared is a whole other thing right i mean that's that's a whole other like oh crap you know um but there have been plenty of times where i'm super prepared and still terrified uh i think the let's see there have been a couple i mean like the live recording of snarky puppy silva album oh yeah i mean that's like you screw up you ruined a take for 65 people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, right. you know what I mean? Or a lot of withering glances all over. You know, sure, like, oh, yeah, and, and there's probably, you know, there's bum notes all over that record, but I mean, like, no train wrecks. You know what I mean? Like, right. And that was something that we rehearsed forever. Not forever. Wait a minute. Not even that. Well, it's like about a week, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. forever. Yeah. Well, it's a couple <laughs> days. Uh, we all have different Four standards. Days. Four days? I don't know. It, it wasn't. It was like an hour beforehand. Four or five days, maybe. <laughs> um, so, like, those, those experiences are nerve-wracking, yeah. those live recording type stuff. Um, you know, uh, 
Isn't it weird how that you, you play it like a hundred times and then you go, all right, we're going to press record now. And you're like, and then you're just like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, live recordings are always kind of like that for probably for everybody. Um, it's just hard to relax. Right. It just is, especially when there's cameras, you know, like that. Yeah. That's why it's live recording cameras. Um, but you know, I mean, I don't really get nervous as far as venue size as much as maybe people would think. It's, I think it's like sometimes with the really big places, you, you don't even understand the scope of it. So you're just kind of like, well, I don't know. Uh, you know, but like you play a small club and everyone's staring at you and that's kind of right. like, ugh, you know. Um, when Snarky Puppy played Royal Albert Hall, that was a, that, I mean, that place is huge. That was a huge place, legendary place, cameras and a live recording. Ooh. You know. And there's things on there where I'm like, ooh. <laughs> but <laughs> it's a gig, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I was, that, that, and that one I prepared, you know, we prepared, we were on tour, we were prepared, we were doing the whole thing, and, you know, it, it, you get what you get. Yeah. So, um, you always want that feeling of, like, I nailed it, you know, and sometimes you get it and sometimes you don't. Right. And if you don't, you just figure out a way to get back and get them, get them, get them next time, man. <laughs> so, yeah, those live recordings are always terrifying for me. Let's say, I, I, I think we discussed this with somebody at one point, but I feel like there's always an, uh, an adverse reaction to uh, going into the gig going like, man, we're going to kill it. And then, well, something catastrophic happens versus, man, I'm kind of nervous. And then you end up just killing it. Right. Yeah. I think, I mean, yeah, generally a, a little amount of fear is, is fine. And I think what's also kind of crazy is that, and y'all are experiences, you have like a great rehearsal and then the gig's terrible. Mm -hmm. I don't know why that is, but like usually if the rehearsal, there's stuff you're kind of working on and fixing like, well, we'll just, I don't know, we'll figure out when we get there. You know, those shows just for whatever reason are great. And then the yeah. one you're like, we nailed it. This is going to be so easy. And then like, it's a biff. It's like a biff fest. Right. So yeah, I've been on, I've been on those situations too, man. Travis said that, uh, it was Travis, I think that we were talking about it. He said that, uh, it, it, the shows when you have a problem with the with the van on the way there, you know, or a breakdown, or you've got a right. gear issue, or a, a hum that during rehearsal you can't or a, a setup you can't get rid of. He said that you get so angry and upset because things aren't working out that sometimes that comes out as a good show because that energy sure. is transmitted to the audience and they don't know why necessarily, but they feel that that thing. So Absolutely. Maybe that's part yeah. Of it. Absolutely. I you know it's interesting. It's like because we all I've I know exactly what he's talking about. But then I have to ask myself, do I want to go through that every time to have a good show? Right. <laughs> it's like, I want to just be relaxed and have a pizza and drink some wine. Things were going great. I drove the van off the interstate because I really wanted to have a good show. So Yeah, right. <laughs> Crosby doesn't problem. It's like, I don't want to go through all that to have a good show. I just want to like have it easy and then have a great show. <laughs> Can I have both? Yeah. No. You, you, <laughs> you cannot, in fact, have it all. You must suffer. Yes. <laughs> Art is way. pain. Art is pain. <laughs> right. Except for poison. Just, yeah, that's well, I mean, it's, it's, it's a little painful. Let's be yeah, probably, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Bless his heart, but C.C. DeVille had my least favorite guitar tone of all time. Hey, you know what? 
he did his thing, man. I like I said, bless his heart. I said that. <laughs> That's the Texas way of saying, with all due respect, it lets you off of everything you say after that. Oh man, I, you know it's it's. It, we love you, know, Cece. What's so funny is that like I wasn't even alive then, but it's still sort of just like, oh yeah, you want to make a funny joke about a rock band? You, I guess you can make a funny joke about poison or something like that. But then like at the end of the day, it's like they're normal people. They wrote the songs that they thought were cool. They yeah. played the shows. They got the fans. You know. That's if, honestly that the whole like Nickelback, everybody hating on it. Sure. Like, yeah. I okay. I especially when it was like out like what 2004 like i thought that those records were cool and still listen to them from time to time but they're just doing themselves like they're just doing their own thing like yeah well the thing that you know you have to think about it's like if there's a really famous band mm-hmm. that's really famous but also happy you know it's like they have a huge anti you know people just yeah like a band like nickelback for example yeah. like people either love them or despise them the fact that they're famous isn't taking fame away from your favorite band. Right. You know what I mean? Well, it's not a competition. Least, like you well, said before. Yeah, well, it's like there's plenty of success to go around. Yeah. Like, you can have Nickelback be famous, and you can have this other band that you love be famous. You know what I mean? Right. I, I think, I guess. I'm not behind the doors of Clear Channel. <laughs> that might have something to do with it. But... You know what I mean? It's like I mean, there, there's, prob- there's probably some animosity just because, like, you go, "Oh man, these dudes are just playing these super simple songs and they're super famous." But you know, right. somebody like uh, I don't even know what a contemporary of them would be that that is super technical. But the techie bands or the or the bands that are more musical in the uh, well technical aspect, you know, may yeah. not be as uh, may not be as popular. And I, and I, I mean, I like, guess. Yeah, there might be a little animosity because of that, but it, but again, it's almost never the other bands. It's always like right. the fans of the other bands. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's the argument to be made that like, you know, certain bands are sort of made famous yeah. by a, you know by like a corporate advertising machine, and I think people are like, if people were just more exposed to my favorite band, then they would like them instead of you know. Right. You know what I mean? It's like it's some it's in some cases like people are kind of told what they need to like. Yeah. And I think there are a lot of people that probably like certain bands that maybe we don't like because they just ha- have not been exposed to right. everything else, you know. So it's a weird it's a weird situation. But I mean there's always been famous huge bands that people hated. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's just, it's just life goes on, man. Yeah. You know. Yeah, there's a lot of people that don't like Bob Dylan, but there's as many people that think he's the best thing that's ever come along. So, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, pick any any favorite famous band, and there's going to be people that are like, those guys are just overrated piles of crap. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Yeah. You know. Hey, don't so be reading the reviews my... of my band, man. <laughs> I don't. Your band gets reviews? Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting on some. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, now you know. Only one of us sitting here is, has, you know, a Grammy or two to his name. So, 
<laughs> you know, whatever. But um, no, seriously, I mean, well, they're you know, the band's Grammys. Okay, they're the band's Grammys, yeah. but still, sure. you were, you participated in something that that got the highest honor in the land, so to speak. What does that feel like? I mean, it's a it's a pretty Prince of Prince, pretty amazing, man. I mean, you know, we're grateful, we're thankful because, you know, talk about like we talk about support from an audience. I mean, like we went out and grabbed those listeners you know i mean everything was independent you know we had like independent record label we didn't have a big media machine pushing anything you know we we put everything on youtube and stuff and just kind of did it the old school grassroots organic kind of way and so um it's pretty cool to feel you know it feels cool to, to be recognized for that and, and and but honestly man like i'm it's kind of for me i'm just like man i'm kind of happy to be there you know yeah. <laughs> just, thanks yeah. for you know what i mean like it's it was it, everyone played such a big part of course you know michael the band leader just like he's incredible what he did with all that mm-hmm. and uh so you know but I, I i get asked a lot it's like it didn't change anything in the sense that we don't work as hard anymore or we feel like we've arrived or we can rest on our moral. I mean, if anything, we have to work harder now because there's a standard, right? You know, three Grammys is the standard for your band. You know, we got to put out some good stuff. The shows have to be good. Like it's gotta be high quality. Like what people are, you know, expect we can do what we want musically, I think, but the quality still needs to be be up to par, you know? Um, I noticed you corrected me on the number of Grammys, man. Sorry. Did I? Oh, sorry. It's okay. well, Three. I'm sorry. I shortchanged you one. My bad. I don't know what I didn't. I, okay. I, I know it's hard. You lose track. It's just you know. There's so many <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. 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 Just, you know, yeah they're you just know, bookends. You it's know. Tough. It's, it's a tough life. <laughs> how did you get? I, I should probably you know being the guy doing this interview. I should know. But how did you get hooked up with Snarky Pepper to begin with? Uh, it, let's see kind of just friend of a friend kind of, I mean, really, I was playing in a band with this singer and keyboard player named Philip Lassiter. who's a really wacky, talented dude, great horn arranger, worked with Prince for many years. Um, he had a band here in Dallas and we played a lot together. And, uh, he was the music director at a church where Michael League was the bass player. Oh. And so he was familiar with Snarky Bumpy from playing with Mike. And um, I met Mike because Philip's band ended up doing some gigs in DFW with Snarky Puppy. Oh, cool. And so I met the guys and I, I was a fan, you know, I was like, wow, these guys are the band, like they're ahead, they're above, they're evolved. <laughs> you right. know, it's like, wouldn't be, wow, it'd be great. And I didn't even really think about playing with them, you know, cause I had another band of, at the time of my own and thought we were going to do things. And of course we didn't, you know, uh, <clears throat> but I, Mike and I kept bumping into each other on gospel gigs sessions and things like that um because i was kind of involved in that world and he was getting into it and um yeah it was just one of those situations where there he had booked a string of shows one weekend in new orleans or at, like new orleans hattiesburg and somewhere else and uh none of the other two guitar players weren't available to play and so he was like hey can you you know it was kind of pretty last minute, like, hey, can you learn a bunch of tunes and come do these gigs with us? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Because, like, secretly I was kind of, like, hoping they would call, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, like, I still had to put in the work and learn it. I wasn't, like, one of those fans that, like, I already know your catalog. 
<laughs> which is actually a better way to be <laughs> because then you don't have to do any work. But I wasn't like that. I was like, he's good as cool. And then I had to go like learn all the stuff um, in like two days. Uh, and then we did the shows and, you know, I, I think I played okay. You know, I wasn't amazing, but it was cool enough to where the vibe was right that, you know, Mike was like, well, hey man, you learn all these tunes, it sounded cool. Like, you want to just keep doing them when we need you to do them? And so that was kind of how it worked. Like I would get calls, yeah. you know, when Bob or Chris wasn't available and then they invited me to play on the Tell Your Friends record, which was the first record. Well, it wasn't, wasn't the first record I did. The first record I did with them was Bring Us the Bright. I just sort of like guessed it on this one tune. Um, but hadn't started actually playing with the band at that time yet. Right. Uh, so it was like about a year later when they, when they started calling me for gigs. And that was it. That, that's how a lot of the guys got in the band. We needed a sub. They learned all the songs and sounded really good and offered a unique thing. And, you know, Mike is like a, he's like a general manager of a football team or something. <laughs> you know, he's like, he's getting pieces to make like a squad. You know, it's actually like an eight piece band. The rest are just all subs that just got sucked. I in. guess. <laughs> yeah. A couple of well, It's like, yeah, it's like in hockey, you have your different lines or something, you know, um, or you have like a depth chart, except the difference is everyone is like a list. <laughs> there are no like bench warmers. You know what I mean? It's like an all-star team or something. It is like and an all-star so, team. Yeah. So we, so the tours are kind of split up that way. The dates are, usually all put in a big spreadsheet email kind of thing and people just say what they can and can't do. Mm. And then oh, the band cool. is kind of put together that way. So like, <clears throat> you know, myself and Bob and Chris will be like, Hey man, well I'll do summer tour. If you want to do fall tour, if you want to do spring tour, it's like, cool. Oh, Everybody gets cool. gigs. You know? Yeah. And that's, that's it. And it's neat because then the fans get a different band every tour, right. mm -hmm. which most people this really like. You know, there are some fans that are like, oh, we're so and so I snuck all okay, the way well, into the show and it's I, like, <laughs> I helped the fence and brought a t-shirt to seal it, Terry, and he wasn't there. Yeah. Um, but I think that's cool. Uh, it's, yeah. it's great for me as a band member to go and listen to recordings of, of you know, the yeah. tunes played different ways with different guys and get, you know, puts a different spin on it for me as when I have to go back and kind of polish up the parts and everything. That's an interesting point. I remember when uh, when uh, Yes did the I saw some video where the Yes did the Union tour and they had you know all the guys from all the different eras playing together and they were all like comparing. Well, how did you you know? Here's how I've been covering you for all these years, but how did you really play? Right. It? Oh wow, I never would have thought to do that. It was like I've been playing it wrong. This yeah. Whole time. <laughs> Wait a minute. You're oh my god. You're not supposed to not know how he did that. I thought you guys got together. You're right. Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I couldn't imagine, you know, having to try and figure out Steve Howe's right parts, yeah, like, no and and being that kind of person that I wanna like, even if I don't choose to play it that way, I wanna know how they did it anyway, sure. and just going, never mind, I'll just I'll, I'll just figure it out this way. Right. Have you ever it's heard really of interesting? Oh, Go. Oh, you please first. Not a chance. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, fine. Well, this is, all right. Well, I was going to say. It better be good, though. It's not going to be that good. It might uh, be good. I don't know. You'd be the judge. Uh, if you ever watch Mr. Big, the band Mr. Big. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, the version of Green Tinted 60s Mind with Paul Gilbert. Paul plays the intro as a two-handed tapping thing. Uh -huh. But when they played it with Richie Kotzen, he did it like a legato. Really? Thing. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's pretty cool. There's video of both of them. 
not at cool. the same time, but like yeah, it's yeah. just kind of a neat thing to check out. Well, all right, it sounds cool either thing. way. Yeah, it was a good okay. Your show. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I'm ceding the show to you, man. It's your show yeah. now. <laughs> well, we've been talking for two hours. It kind of is at this point. <laughs> well, we have been. Oh my god. <laughs> no, just kidding. Time flies when you're having the moderate amount of fun. Oh man. <laughs> wow. You know, that's oh, what we're going to use as the tagline for the show. Mark Latrice is here gigs a moderate amount of fun. Moderate amount of fun. <laughs> and for my band, I'm going to use Mark Latrice says, you guys got reviews? Yes. Meaning I don't get any reviews. That, it's like, wow, you guys, get, that's awesome. I wish, you know. All right, well, what were you going to say? I don't even remember. Oh, my God. Right. It's been so long. It's that part of the interview, right? I don't remember now. <laughs> Yeah. It was something good, though. Yeah. Don't come back. Was, Just like those other two bands I'm supposed to remember that I love that I can't remember. <laughs> That's right. We still got to come back to those. I was about to say, we, would, we wouldn't let you off the hook. I don't I think we remember. ever will. Yeah. Look, no, he's I'm put not, back on his computer. He's checking again. Back on, I don't know. I can't. I don't know. I don't like any bands. All these bands suck. <laughs> yeah. Especially this one. Yeah, he's getting terrible. We, All right. we did a roundtable with, with a guy named Stacy Venn, and... He was, we were, uh, the question was, what are your top five uh, bands of all time? And he pulls out his phone and he's Googling bands. <laughs> we're like, what are you asking Google what your top five bands are, dude? I That's think I like these work. guys. I don't know. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah exactly. Well, the other one was, uh, was top five favorite albums of all time and, and all of his were live albums. That's true. He was the live That's kind of cool. It was kind of yeah, cool. Yeah, like it, it was, I mean you know, it kind of broke the spirit of the whole like album thing that we were, cause we were going into like all this detail about, you know, the artwork and how the songs all played together. And he's like, yeah, I mean this live album, we're like, well, yeah, it's technically an album. <laughs> <laughs> well, when he brings up Jeff Beck live at Ronnie's and you're like, oh, well, I can't even argue with that. That's just, yeah. that is such right. a great spectacular awesome. everything. That's yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's, it's, that's like guitar religion is what that's like. Sure. That show yeah, is I mean, soulful. That's, yeah, he's, he's good. <laughs> that, that guy, he's pretty good. He's all right. I like, I like him. Yeah. I might have a career one of these days. If he keeps it up, I'll tell you. <laughs> You're <laughs> he going to hear about him. He could be big. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, you've got, you've got some Jeff Beck in you, but I hear more Satriani than Beck, I think. Okay, cool. Thanks. I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know. Um, it's, it, it comes in different places. I think it, you know, yeah. it's one of those, it's really just depends on the kind of, kind of tune I'm playing, you know, and when, which, which goes how. back to you play the right thing for the song. I guess so. I mean, yeah, ho hopefully, I guess this kind of just goes back to me kind of figuring out what my sound is, you know, as it relates to all these influences that, Right. kind of have to internalize and then at the same time like forget about right you know what i mean mm. um but but yeah i mean i think we all have our little idiosyncrasies that that we that remind us of other players very clearly sure. you know and, and even yeah i don't know man it's weird influencing influences is a weird thing i might not have been grammatically correct but whatever uh influence is a funny thing there we go there's no i don't need to pluralize it um we're not that highfalutin, so, man. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe my English professor. I mean, I'm sorry. It's your show, but you know. <laughs> That's right. It is. Don't forget that. Yes. Uh, sorry. So, yeah, you know, it's 
interesting. I, I, I talk about this sometimes with students where I'll say like, you know, who's your biggest influence? Or, okay. If they called you on stage tomorrow to play with them, could you have something unique and different to offer the musical conversation? Or would you sound like another version of them? Interesting. And I have to ask ask myself that question a lot too. Sure. You know, how can I, this is a person whose music has meant so much to me. I've taken so much from, where am I in all this? Right. If they were wanting to have a jam with me, how do I be me in this conversation? And not a sort of slightly cracked mirror image. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> of them you know so if you could get that call from anybody and and it could be a solo artist or a band let's just get that right out of the way and it could be <laughs> it could be a band that, or a person that's no longer active or existing or somebody that's current who who would you like to get that call from to say yeah we want you to to come up and play either a song or a a, a session or a jam or whatever who would it be i mean there's uh, all kinds dude that's not I mean, an answer so many man. yeah it is that was the answer oh, <laughs> ever since he's oh. taken over the show it's gotten much more vague i don't know I, that's the thing it's like there's there are like i have so many influences from different places that i would love to see how i would fit yeah. in all those you know like if prince needed some i would love to do that if i yeah. if i you know if D'Angelo's band wanted an extra guitar, you know, on top of the brilliant Isaiah Sharkey and all the guys that they already have. Like, I would love to see how I could fit into that arrangement. I'd love to see how I could just rock with the Foo Fighters or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, just do it. Um, just put myself in a situation where um, I just wanted to, just to see how I would fit. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I'd love to try to trade licks with Jeff Beck or something like that. I'd get my ass kicked. <laughs> but... I mean, yeah, any of that, man, you know. The, and, and no, you wouldn't. No, you well, wouldn't. No, I, no. I but, mean, what you do is every bit as valid and interesting and cool and soulful. It's just different than what he does, but it's. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess we're saying, yeah, we don't want to, we're not, it's not a competition, guys. But right. I, yeah, but Jeff Beck's can kick my ass. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, it's always fun. I'll tell you what, it's, it's always great to be in a situation where you're like the shittiest guitar player on stage. Like, which is why, or which is why, like, the elements of sound thing was so great because it was like these guys were all just capable of wiping the floor with every. It's like I got to figure out how to fit in here and do my thing and make it and make it fit, make it musical. You know what I mean? And then, then the end result is that it's just an awesome show for everybody. You know, I remember when I when we did the elements of sound thing and Paul Gilbert turns around and wants to start trading licks. Like I peed a little bit, <laughs> you know what I mean? but then I like did my thing and it worked right. out cool because Paul does his thing and I did my thing. And some guy on YouTube was like, what's next? John Mayer's going to play with Paul. <laughs> you know, so like some, some people, did, you know, thought they would, what is this guy playing these out blues licks? <laughs> hey. Why does Leterio uh, wear dark pants when he plays? Yeah, because he pees himself. Um, so, you know, it's like, it's, it's one of those things. You just have to kind of fit in and, yeah. get, and get your point across somehow, you know. Plus, I'm not going to try to out Paul Gilbert, Paul Gilbert. I can't even. No. Begin to, yeah, like, no way. Forget it. So you find your thing and you do it. Well, and, and, and I feel like, you know, as, you know, putting myself in Paul Gilbert's shoes, I'd be like, all right, kid, cool. Like, it, I mean, <laughs> I guess he thought it was cool. We hung out the next time he came to Dallas. <laughs> there you go. So, 
<laughs> so yeah, we're in the club. Uh, yeah, we're, we're buddies. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It's fun, but that is yeah, cool. But, well, and, and of course, like you know, he's such a music guy. Like mm-hmm. he just loves having a good time playing music. Right. And so if other people on stage are having a good time too, regardless of what their style is or whatever. Like he's going to be jazzed, which is why it was yeah. so awesome to have him as part of that. Right. Uh, this was last year, not this past year. Before. Right. So. So what was your what was your worst show of all time? Not not show wise, but experience at a show. Oh man! Besides well, getting kicked out by the ATV guy. <laughs> that, that was a great count. show, though. That was, was a great bill. It was Satriani Dream Theater and King's X. It was like, oh wow! Yeah. Um, wow. I mean, worst show. We hung onto I mean, that fence, man. It was awesome. <laughs> we bought tickets for that one. Oh. Um, there, there have definitely been many shows where, like, I just was really upset with the way I played, you know, and just feeling down about not getting it together. You know, there have been those. Um, there was a memorable one. Uh, it wasn't necessarily a bad show. It was just a unique show in which I was hit in the face with a chicken. Um, uh, a live chicken? A live chicken. Yeah, this was good. This was years ago, probably 12 okay. years ago. Wait, wow. 2020. And probably longer than that. This is probably like 2008. 2007. Yeah, it's 12 years. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, uh, playing a fraternity party with a friend of mine that was doing like folk rock kind of Dave Matthews stuff. And we're doing this fraternity party outside. Some guy brought a chicken to the gig. As they do. I was about to say, as they do. And it got real rowdy. The chicken? And well, the chicken was just sort of there. I don't know what it, I think it was sick or something. It was a weird scene. The party got out of control and this guy just goes like and just chucks the chicken. So he's like, oh, wings will fly. Uh, you know, like, no, man. He chucked the chicken. Just threw it, threw the chicken at the stage. Wow. And it hit my microphone. I was like singing crappy harmony vocals and it hit the microphone, hit me in the face, popped my lip, and then the chicken fell on my pedals and started like flapping off. <laughs> and I just remember thinking like, this might be a good time to go use my college degree and think about getting back into marketing and everything. <laughs> I'm always said, just get your degree because wow. the thing might not work out. You need something you can fall back on. And I was like, I might fall back on this. Yeah. <laughs> if this is what this is going to be, um, so thankfully, since then, I have not had any poultry incidents on stage. <laughs> uh, just a uh, just a mass of feathers and yeah, talons. But, just, you, know, you think the chicken the wire they put in front of those bands is for the beer bottles, but no, it's actually no, chicken it's wire. For the, for the live animals, yeah. Wow. So that was an interesting that was an interesting gig. That's going to be hard to beat. That is going to be hard yeah, to beat. Yeah. The, the chicken to the face is a rare one. Chicken that's, to the face. Yeah. I mean, you know, Tom Jones gets the, the, the women's underwear, but that's... That's right. different. That's that's totally no, different. You're not going to cut your lip on a pair of panties, but but a chicken. <laughs> oh, maybe an underwire bra. Just the the image of the the chicken flapping around on the pedal. It was it was a weird. I, I think I mean I think I looked at the band leader just like. Are you, <laughs> 
Now, just so what we get we, the image right, was it a white chicken or like a red chicken? What are we talking about? I don't about remember here? what. It may have sort of been like the quasi whitish, brownish. All right. Okay. Hen, perhaps. I, don't know. <laughs> I mean, I didn't look that close. I don't know. Yeah, I was, I was like, species is this? Uh, so that was. I mean, that was that was that, oh. man. Oh. I would rather have that happen than like get off stage feeling like I was a crappy musician. Like, oh yeah. I get kind of beat up. So I'll beat myself up a lot. Like For if sure. I, if I biff it on certain gigs where I really, you know, like snarky puppy gigs, it's high pressure, you know, and it usually sure. takes me a couple shows to like on a tour to really find my groove. Right. And so like the first, you know, with, every tour is a little bit different but sometimes it's like god when am i gonna get it together you know it's like mm -hmm. getting it's like i always make the sports analogies it's like if you're a pitcher and you're in a slump or something you know what i mean right it's like i gotta get out of this i gotta get, i need that strike you know i need those strikes and then you hit the one show where you're like yeah and then it's like all right let's boogie you know what i mean and then you kill it every night right. hopefully maybe sometimes but the you relax that's the thing like you right. just need that right. one that where you're just like i did it good i can relax and if I make mistakes, then I make mistakes. But you get the butterflies out after a couple of gigs, you know. Well, I read something on your site that said uh, on this last album, uh, well, I'll probably get this wrong. So let me just say, I think I'm remembering <laughs> okay. this, uh, where you said you, you were finally comfortable in your own skin. Oh, I'm, I got a solo record? Yeah, on your last or, sorry. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I thought you meant last starting record. I mean, oh, sorry. No, no, it's okay. Uh, yeah, I think so. I'm, I'm getting there. You know what I mean? Like it's well, you seem like you are. I mean, you definitely. Okay. That's one of the things that comes across. It's, it's, it's confidence without ego. You know. Right well, thanks. I, you know, I'm still very mindful of because I do have such a wide variety of influences of not having things go so far in one direction that it, there's no. Right it feels like I'm reaching or that there's no material in it anymore. Or like that sort of authenticity that is my, my own thing. Like I'm always, I'll take it out there and then I'll just kind of try to reel it back so that it's not like so stylistically everywhere that you don't know what you're listening to or it sounds like some kind of demonstration record. Mm -hmm. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> like. Which is tough, you know, for, for, because I mean, and lots of instrumentalists struggle with this because a lot of them do have many influences. And so it's like, well, how do we, how do we get them all in? So it still feels like me, even if there are stylistic deviations here, you know well, what I'm saying? You're, you're, I think I, I started out by saying you're, you're this master of all trades kind of guy. And, and that comes across in that you, you keep wanting to find the Goldilocks position on everything, right? You know, the, the just sure. right thing. I mean, even yeah. to, to your choice of uh, string gauges, nine and a half. <laughs> you know, well, what you a, know. What a, what a weirdo. Yeah. I think about going up to tens. I don't know. Nine and three quarter. Give it a shot first. <laughs> see what happens, you know. I'll call, the, I'll call Dunlop. They might do it. We'll see. I don't know. But, but your, your garage guitar, your, your blue strut that you had made, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you said that, uh, once again, I'm not stalking you, just doing my pre-interview research. No, this is good. This but, is, I appreciate it. But you talked about one of the reasons you use it so often is that the guitar doesn't dictate to you what it's going to sound like. You can tell it, and it's a willing accomplice. You didn't necessarily use those words, but you know, it, it's willing yeah, to like mold itself into what yes. you want to say rather than right. you having to talk through a, a filter. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I try to have that be 
something. I mean, in, in some instruments, I get it. It's like, this does the thing. And I respect that, <laughs> you know, but like what's great about that guitar is it is something that I would feel comfortable taking to just about anything. You know, like if, like if for the Quincy Jones hypothetical thing, I would probably bring that guitar and just be like, this is the one, you know, they told me I can only bring one. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and you know, that we'll see what would happen with that. But, um, so when you switched to, or when you not switch, when you got that guitar, mm -hmm. you, you had said that prior to that, you've been playing Rosewood necks. And when you ordered that right. one, you ordered a maple neck. Why? I just wanted something different. I think I just wanted something like, so well, here we actually have to show the guitar. Yeah. Let's, but let's see the guitar. This was the one, this was like the number one kind of guitar. So heavy. this was like the number one, for, and it's, I still play this guitar a bunch. It, it's, it's a Fender American Standard body only. It used to be a full Fender American Standard with a single coil, but it's gone through a whole bunch of changes of just customizing and trying things out. I've got the pickup all wired to do things. This is a Grosh humbucker now. This is a totally new, this is a Grosh neck actually. And um, so when I ordered that blue one, I, I kind of was like, well, I've customized that one as far as I can. So let's just start anew with everything already custom, like ready to go. And so that was what brought the blue one, but I just wanted to try the maple neck thing because, you know, I don't know. I think part of it was like, well, I don't have this. I think part of it was like, well, if I don't like it, then I'll at least just, I'll still have my other one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, plus you um, said you don't like to duplicate tones, so that would have been a way to exactly. at least guarantee yeah. it so had I a different at, tone. Right, so I was looking at it as kind of a practical thing. I was like, well, I should just at least have something that's different, even if it's not, doesn't replace anything or, or what have you. But, um, but yeah, the, the blue one ended up becoming like kind of the main, the main thing. And now I just am sort of like, I don't know, man, maybe maple was my thing all along and <laughs> here we are. Um, it's got a slightly thicker neck than a standard fender, right? It does. Yeah. It's, um, it's a slightly thicker neck. The heel contour is a little bit shaved. Um, and it's just put together really well. Like the wood is really good. Yeah, the ash is really pretty. You can see <laughs> you the grain through like, the blue. It's really yeah, pretty. Well, but I mean, like, even like, it's just a good piece of wood. Yeah. Like, Don sits there and goes like, I don't know about that one. <laughs> you know, like, he knows what he's, he really knows what yeah. he's doing. And that's what, you know, that's what you get when you buy a guitar from him. Like, that's it. That's the vibe. And, you know, they do all the pickups there in-house and, you know. Interesting. And I we, hope that guy sells a billion guitars. <laughs> and we'll put, we'll put a link up for them. Um, sure. We had Brian Porter on last night, in fact, uh, from Porter Pickups, and he's cool. making, making guitars too. And he said that uh, for him, the way to, to pick out the best guitar in the room or, or to pick out the, the guitar that he's going to know is going to sound good is, he says, it's resonance, unplugged in resonance. He says, if you can strum it, hold it up to your ear, and you're hearing a lot of resonance, that's the guitar that you can make better with better pickups or whatever, but you're not wasting your time. That guitar's got potential that can be pulled out. Do you find that's, sure. that's true too? That, that's when you yeah, resonate? I think I, yeah, I think I, I tend to agree with that. Um, and I'm not one of those people that can argue the physics about things. Or Oh, that's or next. We're arguing that. physics right after this. <laughs> I didn't do well in my class. slept through most of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, but you know what, man? I, it's, it's, guitars are a weird thing. Because then I'm sure there's people that would probably argue that 
or maybe not argue, but just like, why not that's one guitar that like kind of sounds terrible, unplug, but then you plug it in and it's awesome. Yeah. And so it's just this weird mythical Goldilocks kind of yeah. thing where you just find the right combination of wood and wire, and, you know, and, and then you, you did it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've talked on the show before about, <clears throat> because, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, because it's, uh, you know, about gear so much, um, about how non-musicians listen to music in a totally different way than musicians do, you know, and they hear... Mm they hear guitar and they don't know if it's a Strat or a Les Paul, a single coil, a P90. They don't, they don't know anything don't about care. that. They don't care. <laughs> right. Just like a lot of guitar players can listen to a saxophone solo and not tell you if it's a tenor or an alto or what it's made out of, or, you know, is that clarinet made out of ebony or is it, you know, we don't know. Sure. We don't care. It's, we hear clarinet, we classify it as clarinet in our brain and we just move on with listening and enjoying the song. And right. we don't say that here on this show to, to make our, the discernment of gear less important, but what we've kind of determined, I think, is that the, the, the fine details we get into as musicians about the gear, about the, the nine and a half versus a, a nine or a 10, a string, all these things, or which delay pedal, because, you know, echoes echo, but it's not to the guitar player. It's all about yeah. finding the inspiration to play the way you want to play. And so right. if it takes 20 hours to find the one pickup that's going to work to make you feel a certain way, it was really the feeling you're chasing and not the gear. So the gear is important, but we got to keep in mind that the end result is, is the feeling that we get from that magical combination. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. I think that's kind of what you're saying too. It, like any player, there's a sound that you hear in your head that you yep. can't describe. You just know it when you've got it. And, yeah. you know, it's always, it's cha it changes and that's natural. You know, that's fine. Um, but you're the only one that can understand how to connect with it because it lives in here, you right. know. Like that's what's so funny is about like people arguing about certain things gear-wise, this that, other. Yeah, there are probably certain things that we can all I don't know say agree upon, but like different variables that we're like, well, yeah, that's not going to work for that, or like, right. yeah, that's going to obviously sound like that if you do that. But if that works for that person. And that's the sound that they hear, and that's what it's that's what it is. You it's know? like I mean, the the speculative nature of of tone and everything is weird too. And I mean, I, I read an article at one point that basically was like, yeah, what we like our preferences from a psychological standpoint uh, and our brain chemistry changes every like two and a half years. <laughs> so like what we yeah. want to hear, it's never <clears throat> you're never going to find the one thing. Like there's always going to be a yeah. next thing because what you want internally is going to change. And if what you've got is changing every two and a half years, you know, the guy next to you is probably not on the same two and a half year cycle. So it's, <laughs> exactly. you're never going to have like this complete like melding of yeah. the perfect dumble sound or the perfect strat sound because everybody's got their own, uh, you know, perceptions of it. And yeah, I remember right. reading that and going like part of me was relieved because that meant that there wasn't this one thing that was perfect that I had to find. But on the other hand, I was a little stressed because I was like, well, <laughs> by the time I find it, <laughs> my brain's going to turn against me. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I, I asked Trey one time, I said, is it for you the thing where you want to be 
Luke's, the, your relationship with your guitar, you're looking for the Luke Skywalker, I've got one lightsaber, or the, the King Arthur, I've got one Excalibur. You know, you wouldn't want to think King Arthur had a, a closet full of swords. You want to think he's got that one and he's going to go out yeah. and do that one thing. And he said, yeah, I definitely think that's, you know, that's the way I want to be. It, it, well, I that, think, I mean, yeah, I think I know what you're going to say. It's, it's interesting because we always just like, we, you know, we have our influences, we have our people that we look up to as players and we always associate them with one thing. Yeah. You know, it's like Angus Young, the red SG, you know what I mean? Eddie Van Halen, the Frankenstrat, you know? Yeah. Although when you look at somebody like Jeff Beck, who we think of as the Strat guy. Well, there's less Paul Jeff. Less Paul Jeff, Jeff. And, and Telly Jeff. And Telly Jeff. Yeah. Same so thing I mean, with every Clapton. now and then, right. But I think most people would think of him as Strat Jeff. Yeah. So what if I he would, started I playing would, an SG tomorrow? Would we, would we allow him to do that? Of course, because he can do whatever he wants. <laughs> he's, he's no, but he's still Strat <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> I mean, whatever. I would throw but a like, chicken at that dude so fast. You know, it's like Jimi Hendrix, the white strat from, from, you know, Woodstock. Like yeah. the list goes on. You know? uh, and so I think as players were like, I need to, I need my Lucille. <laughs> right. Okay. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we want that. Well, I think it's just ingrained in us as like fans of music. Mm-hmm. That's like, oh, our hero, you know, Satriani, the Chrome Ibanez, you know, Steve Vai, the, the multicolored with monkey grip, you know, or, you know, of course he has lots, of, but the monkey grip. Right, it's yeah. like it's yeah, a yeah. thing. It's like he has a thing. I want a thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't want. I don't want many things. I want one thing. These guys have right. one thing. So, I think that's what we're always kind of. And they're probably, you know, they would probably say, "Well, yeah, I, I play a billion different guitars, but yeah, this just happens to be the one that <laughs> I photographed with most, or whatever." Right. But I don't know. I think that's like a weird growing up reading guitar magazines or something. It's like, yeah, yeah. man, you know, I I need my my one thing. And sometimes you don't get a choice. Sometimes the, the public assigns it to you. Like Trevor Rabin used to complain about the fact that the owner of a Lonely Heart solo sound with the harmonizer and everything was what people thought his guitar tone was. And he's like, oh my God, that was all, all done in post. You know, that's not me. <laughs> right? Yeah. Or yeah. Rush with the double necks. And they're like, we only play him for one song, man. Why is it every picture <laughs> us with the double neck? Well, that's, I mean, Jimmy Page, you could say the same that's thing. True, it's like yeah. people, you know, and he played a million tellies, but people were like, Jimmy, oh, yeah, the Les Paul. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's one, of, it's one of those things. From song remains the same with the Les Paul and the violin bow. It's like, yeah, that you, you know, that's what he does. Right. So, I saw Eric Johnson playing an SG the other day. I'm like, what? I was yeah, the first time. I, yeah, I was like, he whoa. Did it on the on the G3 DVD, and I had always just thought he was a track. I was like, what's he doing with it? <laughs> Where's my chicken? Right? Who yeah, let him have that? Can't believe the fence was so short that I was able to climb over and sneak in to watch him not play a strap. You know. Um, so yeah it's a you know it's a th- i don't it, i don't know i don't know what my thing it maybe it's the blue maybe it's i don't know maybe i maybe i'll have periods like jeff did but <laughs> it was a steady period yeah <laughs> you know well you seem comfortable on the blue and, it, and you have a certain um i mean passion for it i do and, and i'm comfortable on all these you know these are like these are like my children <laughs> <laughs> Your daughter is now really upset out there. She's just yeah, she's like whatever. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, I can do a thing that sounds like me on all these things. Yeah. So, uh, and I might never have the one thing. And if people, but whatever people want to, if I ever get to the point where I'm associated with you know like that sort of 
thing that we're talking about, the guitar magazine thing. If people want to, you know, whatever. When Quincy yeah. Jones calls you up and you get when, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. What do you associate, speaking of Quincy Jones, what do you associate Steve Lukather with? The Music Man? The Valley Arts guitar? Like, you know what I mean? Like, Valley Arts, I think, really. Because it's, you know, so. so many things he did yeah. with that. Yeah. Sure. Which, everything for me, like, I, I would associate him with the Music Man just because, like, to me, I think yeah. part of it, and, and, you know, I didn't want to get too deep into that, but, like, I feel like sometimes maybe the marketing team chooses that for could be for the for the guy you know and and don't get me wrong i'm sure that steve is playing exactly what he wants to be playing right um but you know i guess more so what i mean is like when you are forced to choose and go okay cool we're gonna sell this with your name Mm -hmm. on it that kind of makes the decision for you as to what your thing is yeah. If, if, if yeah. you have a, a signature model or something like that, or somebody approaches you and goes, hey, I want to build you a guitar that's your thing. Right. Uh, and then I want to also have other people be able to buy it because they're a fan of yours. Right. Um, you know, and uh, a lot of the, um, well, I mean, you know, even Lost Paul was a signature model. Yeah, technically. it was. Like, yeah. like at most of the things that are guitar designs other than pretty much the original Fender designs were all kind of with one or two people in mind mm-hmm. uh, of what their preferences were. And we just kind of all grew up going like, well, you know, yeah, it's a Les Paul and that's what I love because all of these people play their variation of a Les Paul. And, uh, right. I think a lot of it, it's like whatever the moment where you first discovered an artist, yeah. like whatever they were playing at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, like I bet for a lot of people, Santana is an SG guy, not a PRS guy. Right. Yeah. Or sure. even a Yamaha guy. I, uh, that, yeah, I guess he did have a Yamaha period, right? You know, to, I'm sort of, I, I, like when I first heard Santana, it was old, you know, on a record, old videos playing an SG. But like, mm-hmm. then, it, then Smooth came out when I was in high school. Right. And it's like, oh, yeah, he's a PRS guy. Right. <laughs> you know, so it's interesting. Yeah, or like, Oh man, I don't know. This goes on. Like, well, Alex like, Lifeson, you know, Les Paul's PRS. See, sure. For me, well, Alex Lifeson is the white 355. Yeah. yeah. And I've always yeah, wanted like, a white uh, 355 because of Alex Lifeson. Because of Alex, exactly. But then I'd yeah, be the like, guy out there playing Alex Lifeson's guitar. Right. And who, I don't want to do that. Well, I don't know. Some people do. I know. Like Kirk Hammett was, to me, it was like the ESP. Mm. Yeah. So if, like, if I see him with a Les Paul, I'm like, nah, man, ESP guy. <laughs> <laughs> who let him have that Les Paul? Man, I think it's cool that he has it. Yeah, no, no, it's it, no, I who let him his bank account. <laughs> I was about to say, <laughs> yeah, uh, let Kurt his, let him have it. His checking account. He, he let himself have have whatever yeah. he wants. So, what about a Rick Nielsen who changes the guitar every single song? Oh, Rick Nelson's five neck. He can't play nothing else. He's got to have <laughs> five, a five neck five hammer. Neck. That's, <laughs> that's the guitar for Rick Nielsen. Oh my God! Wow, yeah. that uh, I. I was always amazed when I would see a cheap trick show to see him changing guitars so frequently and just adapt instantly, not mm-hmm. care about it, you know? And I, you know, they yeah. all had the same necks or same response and mm-hmm. it, it, right. he just kept plowing right through and ignored that part of it. It was because, but he wasn't being the entertainer, right? He wasn't yeah, being the guitar all, player. They're, He's about being the, the they're about the fun and the song and the vibe. And yeah, totally. Right. Yeah, man. I was like, you know, Prince for me, it's the Honor Telly. 
it's not necessarily the love symbol guitar or the cloud guitar, even though right. the love symbol guitar is like super iconic. Right. His uh, blue cloud guitar is up so to I'm sale right now. Super Bowl. Oh, really? Yeah, it's available wow. right now. I don't think I need that. <laughs> <laughs> stay with the stay in the park. So, yeah, I mean, if a lot of people are like, wait, Prince, the guy from the Super Bowl. <laughs> you know, we played the where he played the love symbol guitar. Yeah. Now. Well, you know, we could talk to you all night long, <laughs> but I'm sure you want to get back to your evenings. Oh, good, man. But yeah. it was great. We really appreciate you coming on. This is really fun. Absolutely. My pleasure, you guys. Would, totally. you, would you consider coming back some point? Yeah, man. We got to find some new stuff to talk about, though. I don't think oh, that's going to be a be problem. Hard. Yeah. Okay. I'll have those two bands for you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. what we're starting with. <laughs> and I'll yeah. say, I don't get me at the end of the show. Well, so. we'll get you back for a top five episode, and we'll just land okay. you with nothing but top fives. <laughs> Perfect. Watch you squirm. <laughs> I'm prepared. Probably not. He's, as long as you got your computer there. Hang on. I'll have my answer in just a second. What are my favorite bands? Okay. <laughs> Can I phone a friend? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Well, cool, guys. This was fun. It yeah. was. Thanks so much. Absolutely. All right, thank you everybody for joining us for another episode of Gear and Gigs with the absolutely fabulous, entertaining, and uh, apparently has a history of being a scofflaw, Mark Flatieri. <laughs> scofflaw, that's a good word. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much. For Trey Hawkins, I'm Jeff Stone. You guys take care, everybody. Please take a moment to like and subscribe to the channel. And don't forget to check us out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and of course, YouTube. Until next time, this is Jet Stone saying, take it easy. Take it easy.